Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Canuck Otaku podcast. Merry Christmas, Luigi. This is going to be a very, very fun episode. Yes. Are we doing one or are we doing two? Like, how, how long do you think, well, how long do you estimate this to be? <laughs> let We'll see where things go because I have, I don't think I've worked harder for anything in my life. <laughs> Um, how, like, how many like, pages I, do you have worth of notes? I have 12. All right. So um, before we do that, uh, welcome, everybody. Yes, welcome. Uh, I, hope, I hope you guys are doing awesome. I hope you guys are enjoying Christmas in whatever way you can. Um, and if you're listening, thank you so much for joining us because uh, this episode is all about Toradora. Um, Correct. We, we, we alluded this in our last episode that Toradora, it's it's something that is really, really Christmassy, even though Christmas only takes up three or four of the episodes in, three. in the show. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's something that we wanted to do. And I wanted to do something different uh, about this because the, the thing about uh, all of these shows is that um, when you have a show that this uh, a show that that's this old and a show that is this loved and revered and watched sometimes you feel as though everything there's everything's already been said about it right and is it do you want to just talk about what everyone else has talked about or do you want to take this into in a completely different direction and that's kind of where i wanted to go with things and so i i did a really really weird analysis of this and the funny thing is that at some point i actually i sent an email to my English prof about it. No, I, I just told, I, I just I told I, I literally told them like thank you so much for the course because I, I I learned so much about just analysis and being an observant uh, reader and how I applied that to my everyday life. I didn't tell them that I I ran an anime podcast. I told them oh, I ran okay, a podcast okay. and that I and then I I do I do reviews and whatnot. But um, hey, prof, do you want to listen to my anime review? <laughs> It, it's so funny because when I wrote my final, the final is the fi I the final was literally writing notes for an episode. So it was so second nature to me to just find stuff. It was a 14 line poem. I had I wrote two pages worth of notes and then there was like the arguments that you had to make afterwards. So mm -hmm. I wrote a shit ton. Um, so I have... I have seven thousand words. I don't know how many pages that is of, of for the for the for this episode. Right. Um, I don't have that many. So um, yeah. Uh, so I'm good. I'm gonna be talking about a lot of really really weird shit. Uh, so um, I look forward to it because uh, yeah, I'm an engineer. So, I have nothing to do with. <laughs> <laughs> so for our listeners, analysis. for our listeners out there, um, I just want to say, well, one, thank you so much for the year. Uh, because this might be, I think this might be our last episode of this year. And so... Uh, possibly. I mean... Possibly. Who knows? And if it is the last episode, then I just want to say thank you for making this year that much better for me. Uh, because this has probably been one of the funnest things that I've done this year. And uh, yeah, and just doing, talking about random shit and, and all this stuff, it... Uh, it was something that I looked forward to doing every single time. And 
if you guys want to express your appreciation for the stuff that we do um and if you're a, like let's say that if, if you're a big fan of toradora and you really really enjoyed what it is that we're that we're going to talk about in this episode i think really the best thing that you can do is just share it share the podcast uh we're on twitter we're on instagram um yeah the instagram's new the instagram is new uh so i mean share this on instagram share this on reddit share this on twitter just say hey like there's this there's this podcast uh the guys talk about cool things i mean be honest if if you don't like it then you don't have to share it but if you really if you enjoy the stuff that we do then um please consider just sharing this we're doing this completely for fun um we're not doing any sort of crowdfunding or we're not getting paid in any way and so really the best thing that you can do for us is just pass it along yeah it, this has been a hobby that i didn't think i was gonna enjoy it as much as i do but mm -hmm. even just interacting on Twitter with uh, people and uh, we even got a shout out recently, like someone mm -hmm. we completely don't know, uh, a complete stranger shouted us out. And uh, I'll be honest, that felt uh, felt pretty good. <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> I, I remember when I saw the tweet, I got the notification and I was like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so... That itself, that in itself, felt uh, accomplishing, you know, for mm -hmm. for something that we're doing just for fun as a hobby. So mm -hmm. it's cool. It's I've enjoyed it a mm -hmm. lot, and it's uh, it's provided me with an outlet to talk about these topics, which I don't really talk about it to too many people. I mean, I, I already talked about it with you, but mm -hmm. if anything, this is this gives us an opportunity to actually catch up with each other more often too. Mm -hmm. Because I'm really yeah. bad at catching up with friends. So. And it's like this thing, it's also, maybe you can spend another, like an, an episode probably in the year just talking about what things have, what this has done for us. It probably is a kind of a recap or a reflection. I was thinking um, that we could it, do that. That's why I was saying oh, this could mm. be the last. Like, let's 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 oh. leave it. Let's leave. Let's we'll, we'll, let's it's leave, up in we'll the air. Our, we'll, we'll we'll leave our reflections for for another episode. We've got yeah. we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Oh no, um, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like uh, it's mm -hmm. up in the air. We could have we could mm -hmm. do another one. Nice shirt, by the way. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, for the listeners, I'm wearing my Toradora shirt right now. Uh, wore it out today for, for my uh, um, cute few little errands I was running this morning. I was slightly mm. disappointed that nobody like looked at it and like nobody noticed. Made a face or or like I made might, a comment. I might buy that shirt. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I will. So, so <clears throat> do it. But uh, yeah, we're talking Toradora today. Uh, I ex fully expect your notes to be more in-depth than mine. Uh, as you already know, I keep a lot of mine up here. Mm -hmm. in, uh, I'm not good at uh, reading off of script or anything, but I did actually write some stuff down today that I might not read word for word, but you know, I'll, I'll summarize it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How do you want to start this? We I never really, we no never really idea. talk about how we start this. <laughs> well, do we jump straight into the characters? Do we talk about just what we liked about it? Um, I would like, like to, and like I don't want to just like that's that's why I didn't I I didn't really want to just do what everyone does because like most reviews is talking about what you like about the show, what you didn't like about it, and yeah. like well, there's merit there's merit to that, but like I want I want some I want some meat. You want, I want some, some meat? I, want, I, I want was some actually. Carbs. Hoping to to mention, and, and I don't know if uh, this is how you want to start, but I was going to mention how 
this show actually took a part in me getting into anime. Um, some personal experiences from when I actually first watched the show years ago, junior high. Mm-hmm. Uh, Does it have to do with the with the content of the show or just kind of the show entering your life at a specific time? Yes and yes and no. Yes and yes. I don't know. Um, to be honest, because so before I started rewatching for this episode, I was actually slightly nervous because I haven't seen the show since like high school, I think, uh, or possibly like first year university. So it's been a couple of years since I've watched it. And, you know, I've held this show up in a pedestal for a while, right? It's one of the shows that, you know, normally when I recommend anime to people, I'll recommend like a shonen or something like a gateway. But if they specifically ask me for like romance or like rom-com kind of show, Dora Dora, like mm-hmm. immediately. It's like the one that I'm like, go watch that. Um so I've I've held the show like it, at a very high standard for a while. Like I had it at a nine out of ten on my anime list, and you know I was actually nervous going into this rewatch because you didn't want to possibly <sighs> change my opinion too drastically. Yeah, you, you look at it in a different light, and it's not exactly. as nice as what you originally thought. I've realized that uh, after starting this podcast, I've become uh, more critical of of anime. Uh, well, not just because of the podcast, but also like just now that I've seen way more shows than you know than I well, did. And back it's not then. it's not just that it's not just that you're seeing more, but you're actually having to be a little bit more objective rather than subjective. Correct. And I remember talking about just a couple of shows just this past year where it starts off, it starts off good. And then you just start to notice these things that while it doesn't really ruin, it doesn't ruin the whole experience per se, but it doesn't achieve its potential. It leaves you just feeling a little empty and wishing that there was more. Dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. I would say because, yeah, it's kind of like having, it's like eating a meal, but it doesn't actually leave you full and, and uh, content with what you just ate. It's like um, eating McDonald's. No, I wouldn't equate it to McDonald's. I uh, equate it to eating McDonald's because like you're, you're like, you're like, you've got your fill, but you, you like, you I just guess, but you McDonald's- feel like shit after. No, McDonald's is what I would equate to like a harem anime that is just kind of like, it's just, <laughs> okay, all right, no, I, I, I got gotcha, you, you know, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. but um, I don't know. I'm thinking more like, say you go to like a nice restaurant, you know, some place that is a, a restaurant that's like hyped up and then you oh, go like, there. Ho- like a hot cuisine or hot yeah, cuisine, ca- hot cuisine, whatever, however you pronounce it, just high end, high, high, end, like high end dining. The proportions are small. It's more about the flavor yeah. and the presentation. It's super expensive. And even expensive. the flavor doesn't really hit you. And you're just like, no. what's going on here? I should have just gone to eat at like, I don't know, some other local restaurant, whatever. That's um, cheaper. <laughs> that is cheaper. Yeah. So, you know, I was very nervous going into this rewatch, but... um I was so before starting it, I, I reflected a little bit on on like 
how did I even watch the show in, in the first place back then? You know, because I was uh, thinking that too. Because, yeah, because back in junior high, uh, I've, I've talked about this before in the podcast, but like, you know, I've always, I was a shonen kid, you know, action shows. I was watching Naruto, Bleach, uh, Blue Exorcist, because my cousin told me to watch it. Um, eventually, I did start watching some of the harem comedies, because, you know, teenage boy. So, um, all the raunchy comedy was funny to me. Uh, and this just doesn't fit any of those, right? Any of those categories. So I honestly don't remember how I got into it because I don't think anyone ever recommended Toradora to me. So how did I stumble upon it? I have absolutely no clue. I don't know if if, if it's that it was tagged as rom-com and I was like, oh yeah, I'll check it out. Or if it was just like, people are watching this and then I... I, I watched it i have no clue because back then i was watching anime on like well you know frowned upon sites uh because i didn't have (laughs) no around the time that i was watching this it was not youtube anymore i was definitely in a not like it wasn't casual anymore i started watching anime more that much older than you What do you mean? I, I, I started off on YouTube and I watch all no, my no. stuff on YouTube. But like, I, I understand what you say where it's like this show, if for some reason, it just, you just stumbled upon it. It came, exactly. it came to you by chance. Somehow. Almost I, like fate. Even. It was meant to be. <laughs> and um, I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, like Taiga, something was missing for, from your life. And yep. mm-hmm. just at the <laughs> right moment. Oh, foreshadowing. Yes. Uh I'm, I'm actually, I'm not going to talk about that. You're not? Yeah, because that's pretty obvious. But it's, um, it's, it's, been, it's been overdone. I, I, will, I will talk about it. it, it we, we can touch on it briefly. But, um, but yeah, no, this show somehow fell on my lap. I watched it and I loved it to the point where I actually rewatched it twice more after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, by the time that I was either going into first or second year university, I had seen the show three times already. To me, that's a lot because I've I've already mm. I've also told you and our viewers I don't rewatch stuff that often unless it's like good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I was I was nervous because uh, I don't I also don't want to say that I've become like sin- too much of a cynic or like jaded or whatever. But like, you know, I, I I'm sure that back in the day I would have probably loved Hunter Hunter, but I clearly I don't anymore. So with that in mind, I was like, am I going to like Toradora this time around? And uh, well, needless to say, I was pleasantly surprised with my rewatching experience. Um, in a good way or a bad way? It, pleasantly surprised. So in, in yeah. a very good okay. way. Okay, I guess I, um, I, I didn't miss that. I, I was more attentive to all the things that I, I, I didn't pay attention to before. Because um, mm-hmm. back then... I was aware of character development, but I didn't like purposely follow it. You know, I didn't purposely listen to every single line and and try to understand how that actually spoke about what the character is feeling. Uh, back then, character design in general, just like how the character is built and what their purpose uh, is in the story. Uh soundtrack like back then i loved the opening and endings 
but that's really all I listened to like music wise in from Toradora. But like this time I was purposely listening to the background music. Uh, when does it fade in? When does it fade out? Does it leave room for, does it take away from the scene? Does it, mm -hmm. you know, do they use like, silence properly? To summarize, you become a much more active watcher. Exactly. Um, to the point where like during this rewatch, I would like pause, make a couple mm -hmm. notes, like keep watching, you, go back. You, you do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, uh, I, I, like, I, like I, I texted you so many times during this yeah. entire week because I, <laughs> I, I, I literally spent the past, I want to say four days working on this, like endlessly. And I remember telling you like this single episode took me an hour to watch. Yeah. yeah. Or I rewatched this scene 20 times to get everything. And I think it's it's a really really important skill because I and I think it it makes us better as viewers and as consumers of media because there's so much media that just gets flown at us one after the other that it's it, it's it can be so much to the point that we just absorb so little. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it becomes oversaturated and you take away from it very very mm -hmm. very very little. It goes in yeah. one year out the other. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like, in, in terms of noticing all those things, because uh, I, I know, like, same thing with me. Uh, when I was going into this rewatch, I told myself, I'm going to look, I'm going to try and look at this from a completely new perspective. And what it did was it, it completely changed my perception of what this show is about. And it made me, and I think part of it is because my own values my own belief system and uh, moral compass and my value system has changed quite considerably uh, over the past five years. I mean, I only saw this show like two or three years ago, um, but there was just a huge shift in how I saw things. Um, I think for first time watchers, you're usually very, um, you're, you're, en you're engrossed by the whole romantic thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we're we're drawn into Taika's development as a character, and we can't help but just rewatch, let's say, like the scene where Taika and Ryuji finally kiss, or where uh, Taiga has her meltdown. Um, and like those are the scenes that stick with us. When I saw this the second time around, those were not the scenes that stuck with me, and. Like I, I didn't really write that much about them because it was almost like one, everyone's talked about it, but two, I don't think that's what the show is about. Because uh, like the show is labeled as a romantic comedy, correct, and uh, and uh, and sort of kind of like a slice of life as well. Yeah. I don't, I don't think this is a romantic comedy. And to be perfectly honest, like the second time around, I didn't really laugh that much. And I don't think, I, I'm not saying that the show's not funny. It, like, it definitely has its moments. But I think, I honestly believe this show is a coming of age story. No, and, 100%. And that, and like, it, it's, it's never labeled as that kind of genre. But I actually think that should be the main, that should be the main genre. I think the, the romance is consequential of what's happened i honestly think this show could have happened without any romantic pairings being formed. likely um i think the romance supports the because 
I, I guess we could talk about it like, you know, in the end of the show, Taiga leaves because she realizes that she has to first love herself because she before she can love another. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's very much a it, it, exactly that kind of show where you're coming of age, you're you're maturing, you're 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 trying to find your place first mm-hmm. before you move on with interacting with other people, trying to make those uh, uh, you know, well, you already have the meaningful connections, but uh, before you go on to further develop those connections, you first have to develop yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't, should I give my thesis statement? Uh, yes, I actually do want to hear it, especially since right. you said that so, uh, <laughs> that it's different. Because <laughs> uh, uh, so, what what this show encompasses is the Latin phrase uh, "temet nosca" or "nosce," and what it is, it's the, that's the Latin translation. But from from uh, it's it's originally from Greek, and it is uh, what it means is. Uh, know thyself and the origins of that uh, it come from uh, the Delphic maxims which are kind of like uh, like proverbs or reflections or things to live by and so uh, like there are things like know thyself and like nothing in excess um, help your friends embrace friendship all these kind of just very short statements that you Mm -hmm. should live by and yep. I think Temet Noske really, really encompasses what this show is about. And so my thesis statement is, so I don't consider this a romantic comedy, like I said. Um, what Toradora is about is the discovery of one's true identity through proper understanding, acceptance, and management of one's own emotions. Throughout the show, we see the dangers accompanied with not knowing oneself as the characters constantly experience denial of self-deficiencies unnecessary self-sacrifice and the misinterpretation of motive and intent. And while the process of self-discovery is often arduous, it's a necessary step towards maturation and a fulfilling life. Yep. And, and I, I do want to say that this rewatch made me realize that uh, Kawashima Ami is actually Best OP. Girl. OP. She's OP. <laughs> One I, step ahead every single time. She is. I swear. She, she Kawashima is me right now, <laughs> dude. I, I remember I am, you texted I'm, I'm so... me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get a random text from Chris, and it's just like, "I am Minoring," and then like an hour later, you're like, "No, I am Ami." <laughs> There's a reason for that, what? and I. This 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 analysis is gonna is going to involve a lot of personal anecdotes because I mm-hmm. think it's necessary. Um, so the way that I structured this is I I looked at each character and gave them I put them I I titled each of these characters using very poetic. Uh, Poetic devices. I use a lot of alliteration and consonants uh, and acid. Can I make a request? It, it's really nice. What? Can you save Kita, uh, Kitamura for last? Uh, no, because I don't like him and I didn't have a lot of stuff to say about him. <laughs> so, because that's another character that I realized in this rewatch that he's fucking useless. 
we'll save him until the end. He'll he'll be the he'll be the cherry on top. So I've I've divided this into each character. So here okay. here here's here's here are my these are the roles that each of these characters play. We have Ryuji the rejector. We have Taiga the toddler. Uh, youthful Yasuko. We have uh, Minori the martyr. And then Ami the adult. Um, Dude, the fuck? I love the alliteration. Thank you. Even though technically it's just, it's it's only two words instead of three. Words. But, but still. Yeah. I appreciate um, it. So which character do we start off with? Actually, before we start off, before we get actually get, get into characters, and this actually might work nicely into transitioning to Ryuji and Taiga. Episode one of Toradora is probably the perfect example of how to properly set up characters, setting, yep. and plot. 100%. And I, I, that's the reason why I watched it multiple times is because it it is flawless in its execution to tell us exactly. And it, it actually, it doesn't tell us what these characters or what the story is about. It shows us. Uh, yes, so I, I spent about yeah. 10 minutes watching the opening scene and the opening scene is only like two minutes long. It's, it's the, it's the opening monologue where they say uh, there exists something in this, there exists in this world, something no one has ever seen. That thing is very kind and very sweet. If anyone were to see it, they'd probably want to see it again. That's why the world chose to hide it, making it difficult to obtain. But one day, someone will find it, and that someone will be the one meant to find it, because it was made to work that way. And what that is, I, I, I personally think it's our true selves. Um, no one, because no one in the world has ever seen it, they don't understand it, but deep down, it's, they're, each of these characters are really, really good people on the inside. And you see it once, you probably want to see it again. Um, but going back to just this opening scene, um, I'm all. I was always told in my writing classes back, just not even just in university, but even in junior high and high school, that you have to show what a character is rather than say what a character is. Mm -hmm. If a character is messy, you don't say this person was messy, but rather you <laughs> show it through their actions or by describing things around them. Um, if you've ever watched the opening to Back to the Future, it's a really, really good example. Since the uh, the opening to Back to the Future, it shows what uh, what the doc is like, even without a shot of them. Uh, uh, so the opening sequence goes like this. You go from a panning of various clocks, uh, indicating that there's a concept of time uh, in the movie. And then you see photos of famous scientists and inventors before zooming out to a cluttered room with loose papers, uh, drunk uh, mugs that have been drunk, and inventions that just serve no purpose and are just bro broken down and the entire room is cluttered. And Marty I, walks in, plugs yeah, in. And then Marty the walks in, and then after that. <laughs> and so with Toradora, the opening minute of the show presents a direct contrast or juxtapose between our protagonists. One person is up in the morning and cleaning mold in the bathroom of what appears to be a rather modest dwelling place, while the other is still in a very large bed in a very large room with littered clothing around them. 
even before knowing who the hell these characters are, we already know that these two characters will most likely butt heads at some point. Um, one's see, type A, one's type B. Yeah. Uh, we see uh, Ryuji is the responsible, proactive person. He's cleaning. He's doing all this stuff. Um, Taiga, on the other hand, is like helpless. She's like still sleeping. She's cluttered. She's disorganized. Um, and we can also see uh, just the difference in their lifestyles near uh, in the second half of second half of the episode. Um, Taiga lives alone. Um, Ryuji lives with his mom and that fucking bird that I just fucking hate. Do um, you? I actually think Inko Chan's oh hilarious. I think Ingo Chan's uh, one of the few yeah. comedic <laughs> reliefs in the show. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and even, the, even the setting between their houses are in direct contrast with one another. Uh, at Taiga's house, there's a single bed, a single chair at the table. Um, in Ryuji's house, since it's, such, since it's smaller, uh, everything is much more condensed. Um, and there's a feeling of... Uh, there's a feeling of space enclosure and mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's it's sort of there's sort of an irony because taiga is in this large space um and that large space is what makes her feel isolated meanwhile at regis place everything is confined and you normally you think of confinement as being um a prisoner or, yeah. or, claustroph- or claustrophobic but in yeah. reality it's it provides a sense of um comfort and sentiment uh, yeah. and then even looking at the the color between their two between their two places. There's a contrast in color between Taiga's house and Ryuji's house. Uh, if you watch the opening, uh, the first episode, uh, Ryuji's house it may be uh, so. Like I said, it may be small and modest, but there's color and saturation. Uh, there's greens, there's blues and oranges. Um, Enkochan is like vibrant green. Mm-hmm. Um, the tatami mats and the walls are like yellowish, and it just shows that there's life here. Um, meanwhile, in comparison, if you actually, if you look at Taiga's house, Taiga's house is devoid of life and warmth. Uh, everything is mostly a dull gray, dull browns. Uh, it's like reminiscent of an asylum as if she's been like sentenced to solid, solitary confinement, which in a way she is, um, not just physically, but also, uh, psychologically in that she is, she has literally been this, this child that hasn't been able to come out. Um, Any color that is present in Taiga's house is either washed out or pastel. Uh, If you look at her drapes, um, and it's funny because the drapes, uh, which are red, uh, the one one kind of uh, evidence of color in her dwelling place is the gateway between her and Ryuji. Um, So it kind of serves as some sort of um, connection between her and Ryuji. Um, anything that connects her to Ryuji is red. Um, we yep. also see that her shoes are red as well. And there was actually a really, really close shot when she when she leaves Ryuji's house of her putting on her red shoes. And it, they're really, really vibrant in Ryuji's house. It, it was it actually stuck out to me quite a bit. Um, so just to just to take just to take a look at the the first opening scene because I I thought it was just brilliant uh, in terms of setting up uh, exposition. Um, for the show that's not even character analysis it's just something that i really really liked uh from a visual standpoint yeah visual the direction in the show is marvelous Mm -hmm. to say the least and like i didn't even get into just how they introduced the characters as well because we 
we get an understanding of what these characters are like, and we already know that there's something wrong with them. Uh, yep. And this is all in the first three episodes. Um, oh, yeah. Um, we find out about Ryuji's dad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a very minor. They they don't really look into it too much, but that gives us enough information to understand that he's self conscious about uh, his looks, self conscious about his uh, living situation, um, and he makes up. He tr- he tries to make up for it by being in control mm-hmm. of of every every other aspect. That, <laughs> this if, is a great. This, is a, this is a great. This is a great way to kind of segue into Ryuji. Um, so yeah, we can which talk is odd Ryuji. because Ryuji is the last one to figure everything out. Um, yes. so it's kind of weird that we're talking about it first, but um, let's he, go for it. it. It's kind of funny. I actually broke the the episode, the show into five parts, um, and yeah, it, when I was watching, I realized that yeah, Ryuji is the last one to figure it out. It, it takes him all the way to. I guess you could argue episode 23. Yep. Right at the end where he's finally faced with the ultimatum of what's your decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then episode 24 picks up with his decision. So yeah, he's a, he's a very interesting character. Um, so his dad was a, I guess you could say a Yakuza. <laughs> Just we- a thug, a gangster. I don't I, I don't think they, his I don't think his background really ma- like really matters that much more so that he wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So his dad his father he has no father figure. Um abandoned uh, like dad left mom when when she was pregnant. And somehow his mom is still very very attached to the image of his dad uh she it's interesting to see that his reaction to whenever she, she compliments him by saying that he looks like his dad because mm-hmm. he just immediately tries to push that away and say no i don't want to you know i don't want to be that like that guy mm-hmm. um also love the whole Oh, I, I remember he used to put magazines in his belt so that in case he got stabbed. He got stabbed. He's oh. <laughs> So, and and immediately in the first episode or the second episode, you know, they introduce him as the guy that's feared in the school. Not a lot of people talk to him. I think the only one in the in the first few episodes that really talks to him is uh, Kitamura. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of the other guys in the class talk to him. He looks like a delinquent, quote unquote. Um, really, he just looks like every other main, main protagonist in a lot of shows. But, you know. Um, and yeah, he's very self-conscious of it. Constantly pulling his hair down to try to hide his eyes. It's the subtle cues like that that, that show the viewer who he is. Without simply saying, yeah, you know, this this guy hates his dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he's a. That's that's kind of the reason why I call him. I called him Ryuji the Rejector. Yeah, he uh, rejects this image. Yeah, so it's like my. Like like I said before, this is this isn't really about 
the romance side of things, which is why no. I don't I, I don't talk about Taiga a lot when I when I when I when I did my analysis of Ruji because I don't think Taiga didn't, doesn't actually play a role. Um, I don't think in, so either in his life, and you can argue with me for that. But I'm going to I, I have my I have my I have my evidence you right have, here. You have your no no. But I, I would sort of agree with you on that because she's not the one that helps him realize who no. he is. No, it's everyone else. She's not. Uh, so it's, it's literally everyone else. Like Tyga's a part of it, but yes, like, but she is not yeah. the one pushing him to 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 acknowledge his his true emotions, his yeah, true if, self. If anything, like the whole the whole Ryuji finds out he loves Tyga, it just kind of happened out of nowhere, and I didn't. It, it was just I wasn't hit by it because one, I already knew that it was going to happen, but yeah. also because that wasn't the point of Ryuji's character arc. Um, I'll, that's, that's, that's like, a, that's about a thousand words down. Um, <laughs> so, so okay. the reason, the reason why Go I call, off. the reason why I called, I, I called him Ryuji the Rejector is most of his character revolves around a rejection of who he is as a person. Yes. Uh, that's what, and I mean, that's what everyone in this show is about. It's, it's their, it's their rejection of themselves. But again, I wanted to keep the alliterative title, so it's sticking with Ryuji, uh, but it applies to everyone. Uh, Ryuji plays the role of a caretaker right from the beginning. Uh, we see him as responsible, proactive. Uh, he's always cleaning. He's tidy. He takes on all the responsibilities of the, of the household with mm -hmm. the exception of work, which is what his mom mm -hmm. does. And that, that's, that's, that's so important to episode 23 and 24. Yes. For some reason, that's her main rule. Mm hmm. And like, that's that, like, that, that was literally her one rule. Yep. For some reason, people don't talk about his obsession with cleaning unless they don't really talk about it in full detail. The only, the only time where they reference it is when they make a meme where there's a picture of a mess and then they Photoshop Ryuji's eyes lighting up. Like, it's like something yeah. that he has to do. Yeah. But, there's so much more that's revealed to us in the first episode that really lays the groundwork into what his progression is throughout the entire series. Because the question is, why does Ryuji clean? And uh, Luigi, you you completely answered it uh, earlier. Cleaning is the act of changing chaos into order. Uh, it is also to be in control of something and not just being in control, but witnessing observable changes as a result of your actions. Um, Ryuji does not like chaos and he has a need to clean, organize, and sort, uh, every mess that he can find. And this stems from his insecurities, uh, with his looks and how he doesn't want to be compared to his dad. Um, the very first scene of the show is him acknowledging that he can't change the way he looks. No, like no matter what he does, he, he has that fashion magazine and he, promptly throws it in the trash afterwards because this is a permanent part of his life and permanence versus the potential to change is a is a really really important theme um, of his arc as well as to other characters um and as a response to a permanent part of his life that he can't control he compensated he compensates by being a complete control freak um he also tends to clean in the aftermath uh, of uh, of a fight. Like I think in episode eight, for example, after a fight with Taiga, you can kind of see him scrubbing dishes. 
so his his need for control can also be seen in um where am I getting this? So yeah, his his need for his need to be in control um is seen through his love for cleaning. Um but you can also see it beyond that in terms of how he organizes his life. Like for example, he shows Taiga his box of date plans and songs to listen to and other things in the off chance that he gets with the uh, Minari. And yep. he needs to have everything planned out and he needs to cover all his bases. So as an act of rejection, defiance, and spite against his father, he also takes on the mantle of the patriarch. And in order to make up for everything that his father wasn't, he dons the role of Taiga's makeshift father. And he really does act like it until Christmas, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christmas, as we talked about before, is the climax because Christmas is when the dreams of our characters shatter and reality sets in for everyone. Um, so yeah, in term- Christmas, I would say that Christmas is when the show stops having any comedic. Uh, no, and like that's relief. why, like I, I didn't laugh. There was like, there's no, there's no comedy because it turns into a drama. It, uh, yeah, totally. It literally just turns into a drama starting episode seventeen. Because um, the the whole the whole idea that things are fine and everyone gets along well and it's it's this fantasy that they've been living through for the past 20 episodes and yep. the reality is we have very very confused broken people that not only have animosity towards themselves but have unsaid unfinished resentment towards each other and they're just going along as if everyone's buddy buddy when really they're not and it's why i love ami so much is because she's the one that calls everyone on their bullshit but i digress um (laughs) going back to going back to ryuji as the father as a father figure um countless examples throughout the first half of the show Um, oh yeah well Cooks for Taiga, he cleans her apartment, he does her laundry, he nags her about separating the colors. Um, The swimsuit predicament is the sort of thing that would be solved by a parent in any other show. Um, The entire, like that entire sequence in the house after they go to the mall, um, when Taiga buys a swimsuit and finds out that it doesn't fit. um, It shows that Ryuji is not, not just the caretaker of Taiga, but he's also the caretaker of his mom as well. Um, he, like when he he stops his mom from leaving without drinking her boing boing milk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I, I, like I thought about, like, I thought about my own mom because every single time your vitamins, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm not drinking boing boing milk, but every, every time I, yeah, I'm I'm sure (laughs) I'm trying to lower my estrogen uh, consumption right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but every single time I leave the house. Um, oh, I lost Uh-oh. Luigi. Where My Discord go? just this. Oh, what? You're Hello? Back. Yes, I don't know. My Discord just randomly quit on me. Hmm. You're still recording cool. though, right? I Yes, I am still right, recording. This uh, is just a glitch in the Matrix. Hmm. Matrix, you say? Interesting. <laughs> you'll, you'll find out why. Um, oh, you're kidding. <laughs> 
Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Anyway, continue. But yeah, yes. every, every single time my, I, I leave the house in the morning, and I normally don't eat breakfast because I intermittent fast. Uh, but every single right. time, my mom is meaning. like, <laughs> meaning I just, I wake up too late. You just, just forget. But every time, yeah. every, every time I leave without, without doing anything, my mom is just like, hoi. Uh, my mom's Filipino, which is why it's hoi. Uh, I guess I don't really realize <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of people might, might, might not get that, but uh, it's just like, hoy, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, did you, Sorry, that's like, I'm laughing. like, did you have breakfast or like, did you drink water or did you have coffee or anything like that? And just sort of the whole, like, you know, make sure that you're taken care of before you leave the house. And that's really what Ryuji did to, to did to his mom. Uh, and then just the conversation yep. with uh, Ryuji and Taiga in that episode where Taiga's um, being sulky. And, and and whatnot and just the stuff that ryuji says it's something that a parent would say uh what would you like for dinner you look sad so i'll make you whatever you want you know are you ready for the pool uh, you need to make sure that you don't forget a towel when you go to the pool are you um, excited to go swimming right exactly right you know you gotta have so much fun with everyone um uh, and then obviously he's the one that sews the pads uh and then while he's sewing the pads taiga's the one that's playing video games nearby um so yeah he is the father figure uh, and it's an obvious thing, which is why I kind of didn't want to talk about it, but it, it's it's there. Um, so unfortunately for Ryuji, uh, he's the last one to realize the plot. Uh, he still assumes the father role up until Christmas Eve. Um, yep. Like Ami's um, playing house monologue happens in episode 18 um, to put things in into context. And... Because all the revelations about him happen after episode 19, he doesn't really grow until then. And you you, you talked about that. Like, things don't really go and go work out for him until episode 23. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because yeah. a lot of the time he's just sort of... I don't want to say that he's uh, um, dense or unaware of the things that Ami calls him out for he is he it's exactly like you're saying he rejects those comments kind of like uh as a what are you talking about that no that that that's impossible kind of thing like he's a bit naive yes naive would be a good word to use uh i wouldn't say that he's dense um because this is not a case of those rom-com animes where like the main character just can't seem to notice that all the girls are interested in him. It's more like he just doesn't want to acknowledge that that's the case. If I you know think, what I mean. I think I know where you're getting at. I think part of it has to do with what his priorities are. Yes. And uh, He's too focused on... On either helping Taiga achieve her goal or eventually trying to achieve the goal that he set out himself, but he doesn't want to change it because if he changes it, then that means that there's, you know, something's going completely off of the plan. Um, I like that. I like that. Uh, So when I was watching it during, after episode, exactly like 18, where Ami like blatantly calls him out. She doesn't flat out say it like, you know, we all know you're in love she's, with Taiga. She's like, never you direct. Care about her. 
and she's it, never direct. It, it, Everything's... It's important that she's not direct. I'll 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 get to I'll get to I'll get we'll, to we'll get to I'll that. Get but to exactly, my girl. But she but she's never direct. Exactly. She she always says it either in a metaphor or in a very roundabout way. Um, and Ryuji is always there, just kind of like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, you're crazy. What? But it's almost like anyway. deep down he knows, but he's just rejecting that exactly. that notion. And I mean, like every character, every character is is guilty of this. Uh, yes, M- Minori, for example, Minori is, for example, huge. Like she is, she's probably the most guilty out of everyone. Um, Correct. To be perfectly honest, uh, so in terms of what you just said, I'm. Let's see if I can just try to connect these dots. So, in terms of what I think Ryuji is about, I completely brushed off the dynamics between Ryuji and his mom at the first part of my analysis. And th- this was actually even my first watch through. I didn't really pay attention much to his mom. Um, Me neither. I was, I was so engaged by the progression of the romance that I completely just... I was blind to it. Yeah, but yeah, same here. I honestly, I honestly think, well, Ami's best girl, uh, Yasuko is the hero. Second. She's the true hero of the show, and she yep. was actually she was the one that brought me to tears when yeah. I watched it this time. Uh, so yep. I, I go back. I go back to one of my first questions from before, and I want to add some more. Why does Riji clean? Why does Ryuji take on the role of a father? Why is he hesitant to go to college and instead help his mom? Why does he feel the need to do so much? And I think this answer goes far beyond his issues with his dad. I think his issues with his dad is just a symptom um, or the cause of the actual issue. What my argument is is that Ryuji is a person that just wants to grow up. He's a person that wants to take on the responsibilities of an adult and just zip past the stages of adolescence. College to him is just another thing in the way since it's just it's another 4 years as a child pretty much. But we have really really great contrast in the form of both Yasuko and Ami to show why there might be consequences of being thrown into adulthood too soon. Um, mm-hmm. And this brings me into youthful Yasuko. Uh, oh, what a no. segue. <laughs> so to be, Wonderful. to be an adult is to have the fortitude to deal with the difficult things that life throws at us. And this was hard to write. Actually, I cried while writing this, to be perfectly honest. Uh, so let's hope I, let's hope I don't do it right now because it's early. In, it's not early in the morning, but it's early in the day and I have shit to do. But Yasuko, <laughs> Yasuko just like Ami, uh, was forced to grow up quickly. Yes. In her circumstances, she was a young person that found herself as a single parent with, and with no education and zero support from her own parents because she ran away. And... What it meant was having to do whatever was possible to nurture her child. That meant not going back to school. That meant taking on lower paying jobs that didn't have education requirements. And all of this was to make sure that her child grew up to have 
way more opportunities than she ever could hope to have. And I mean, that's the reason why she didn't want him to work. What, what she's doing is not, it's not so much that she, she's getting Ryuji to just go to school and have a better life, but in a way she's shielding Ryuji from feeling like he needs to rush into adulthood because mm -hmm. she's aware herself that he doesn't know what he wants to do. And as the show has shown us, not knowing oneself is one factor that just leads to bad decision-making. Uh, Yasuko doesn't want Ryuji to make the same mistakes she did, and she would happily sacrifice and bear the burden while he, while he takes the time to figure it out. And Ryuji, being young, naive, and unaware and stupid, uh, let's just... Let's just be be blunt with it he yeah. doesn't he doesn't really understand this part of the plan and that's actually what that's what caused him to lash out and was probably the most painful part of the show uh mm -hmm. i don't uh, so like yasuko says i don't care what other families do i want you to focus on studying so you can figure out what you want to do and live a respectable life and ryuji responds you know which of which one of us didn't study which one of us did whatever they wanted and failed to become a respectable person that sounds like you not me and Oh, like, that, like Ryuji, even, even just hearing you say it instead of just watching it, it, it like hurts. Yeah. And like Ryuji thinks that she's blaming him for her mistakes. But what she's doing is she's taking responsibility and she's yeah. doing it without once complaining about how hard life is or how unfair life is. The only thing that she could do, given her circumstances, was just do her best and at the same time, being supportive of her child with a smile and saying, you know, things are going to be all right. And despite being and acting so young and immature, she was so much more mature than Ryuji was, even with his cleaning and cooking and all that stuff. Yep. And like to hear you've done a wonderful job of raising him from her own parents, that was probably the one thing that she wanted and needed to hear. And like that was actually the scene that got me. Um, that's the scene that got yeah that was the scene that got me and to kind of put Yasuko's character arc uh kind of in full circle uh, just like Ami where Ami kind of had a, had a chance to relive her adolescence um Yasuko gets scolded by her parents and that was mm -hmm. sort of a representation of her actually getting to experience the youth that she didn't that she was unable to have and like really, uh, Ryuji's maturation or fake maturation, um, his mask was to don the role of a responsible adult when in reality he wasn't. And like that's 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 uh, exemplified in one of his uh, one of the last lines he said before him and Tiger run away. Um, and he says, yes. "If I run away, it won't matter when my birthday comes around." I'll still be a kid on the I'll still be a kid on the inside. And it's similar to something I said about seeing yesterday for me. And actually I went back to some of our old episodes and some of my older notes in that just because you're older doesn't mean you've grown up. And 100%. That's that's really that's what I think I mean, I, Ryuji was about. I know people my age that haven't necessarily grown up. Mhm. Mm I don't like to think that I've become a full-blown adult yet. I don't know. We're all still... Me too, man. We're all still growing up, Me you know? Too. So, um, I... 
I, I, I totally agree with you that during this watch through, since I was already aware of, of the romantic story and, and, you know, the show really tries to put that into a spotlight, but it builds everything else so perfectly that if you pay attention to those things, you'll really enjoy the, the show to its fullest. And, and Yasuko is another character that during this watch through, I didn't have many memories from like, I was literally watching it and being like, Oh shit, this happened. Right. Like, you know, like I forgot about this. Yeah. And- but here I was like, just like, even just like the subtle things in the be- earlier beginning, like episodes, whenever she would talk, they they portray her as a very like sloppy parent like mm-hmm. but really i mean she's working the those night shifts she's doing everything and possible and she's taking on extra jobs too she's taking on extra jobs and the the way that everything just ramps up to the point where she gets angry at ruji just for lying to her mm-hmm. and that's and the fir- and that's the first time that she got angry it, that's the only time you see her angry yeah um and it just goes to show how like how real of a character Yasuko is uh and I, I just want to briefly mention my buddy who told me to watch Hunter Hunter um he started watching Toradora and you know obviously he's salty about what I said about Hunter Hunter <laughs> and um as a as a joke he's in in the group chat like he's like Sending kind of like updates, like oh, like just started to order, like oh, and then at one point he says something along the lines of, uh, I could probably pull up the message, but anyway, he says like, uh, shake my head, like wow, there's fan service within like the ne- the first like five minutes. And I'm like fan service, what are you talking about? And he's referring to Yasko. Oh, okay. And I'm like, I, I could, I, I, I was take that back. I was you can't trying say to say that about her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, no, and like I, literally the first episode, like she's just lay, laying on the floor, kind of like moving her feet around and everything. She's like, you know, she's not dressed like very. They they literally portray her as as almost like a kid, right? Yeah, she's like, a child. Yeah, she's a child, and and so yeah, he refers to that as fan service. And I mean, first of all, like in in anime standards, that's not fan service. Oh no, and. Not at all, not even close. But also, I got a little bit salty because during this rewatch, I started to appreciate Yasuko so much more that I was like, yo, yeah. you can't <laughs> say that about my girl. Take it back. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> but it just goes to show like that during the first few watch uh, watch-throughs of this show, you might not catch those subtleties in these characters. It's you and kind of have to watch it twice, which I'm really least. happy I did. Me too. That's why I said that I was subtle, like that I was pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. with um, my reaction on this rewatch. But let's continue. Yes, Yasko the youthful. Uh, I I totally agree that that was probably what got me the most, uh, because it also made me think about you know, all the sacrifices that my parents mm-hmm. had to do. Yeah, and I think it's uh, probably just, it comes with getting older in that you, these these issues become a little bit more relatable and yep. relevant 
because like I am like I'm past the whole romance thing for me personally. I'm like Ami where it's not even just about finding someone to get romantically involved with. It's really just trying to find someone that understands me. Um, Literally, I, I wrote that quote down, but we'll get to that uh, when we talked about Ami so, a little bit more. But yes, you're right. Yeah, because like, like, uh, I, like I remember like first time watching like the, the whole Yasuko uh, situation. I saw it and, and I thought like, oh, like that's 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 a sad that's a sad story. That's a sad background. I feel for her. And I didn't know shit about what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Compared to now. It, it, it puts everything in a completely different perspective. Oh, um, yeah. 100%. It's totally different. And yeah, Yasuko is uh, by far one of my f- favorite characters now in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, totally overlooked. But so crucial to the story. I do agree mm-hmm. that she's the one that um, really tries to set an example for Ryuji as mm-hmm. to, and like she's she's an example of proper self sacrifice. Yes, where like she doesn't really get anything out of it. And like in in reality, like what does any parent get out of doing something for their child? Like a child is literally a one billion dollar investment that you you don't really get any monetary return at the end no. of that million dollar investment. Oh uh, no! So unless somehow your kid, I don't know, is Elon Musk, yeah. and, <laughs> and his net worth well, is way more than that. This is getting know? this is getting into uh, Minari, which. I, I don't want to get to is, yet. Is she well, your next character? Or? Tyke is probably the next one because I didn't talk a lot about her. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, there's not... Is there anything else that you would like to say about Yasuko other than she's... No, that's... She's the hero, that, that's, really. She's, that's, uh, that's she's it. amazing. I don't have much to talk uh, about Tyke because everything everything that's been said about her has been said. And it's kind of obvious. That's what I was going to say. It's kind of obvious about what she is. I, we, like, I can, like, I'll, I, I can go a little bit more in depth in terms of just analogies and what things represent. Um, so I call Taiga, my title was Taiga the Toddler. And the reason for that is an important thing to know about toddlers is that they can't do anything. Um, they are (laughs) useless. useless. They're useless. And their survival is completely dependent on the support of a caretaker. Uh, Correct. From a maturation standpoint, uh, I'm not talking about her size but from a maturation standpoint taiga is still a little kid on the inside and it was completely hidden beneath a series of false fronts and masks in the form of uh, aggression forced isolation um napoleon syndrome um to prove that she's more mature than she actually is and as i stated before she relies on muji for much of literally her, everything and it's not just everything but her like literally basic needs food oh, yeah that's what i mean by shelter, literally yeah everything. literally everything and like the, except the, the, for her home right except, except for shelter. her home yeah <laughs> i guess but like although i mean even i mean she spends more time at regis place than hers yes um so but her like, yeah. like regis place has become a literal safe space for her um, yeah a sanctuary if you will a safe um, haven 
since she is religious to some degree. Uh, so Taika's circumstances uh, caused her to become resentful of the world. And her inability to communicate her feelings led to her believing that nobody understands her. And that just compounds her feelings of loneliness and isolation. And it's just a feedback loop where over and over again, over time, um, every single bad thing that happens to yourself becomes more evidence that you are a lonely person and that is what that that's what your fate is yeah and, that's what defines you and like that's the reason why she fell in love with kitamura in the first place when kitamura confessed taiga said that she didn't know what to do and just fell in love somehow i felt vindicated because someone appreciated me for who i really am and like even though uh, Kitamura's infatuation didn't really go that deep, and it's sort of similar to Taiga's infatuation with him. Like we don't really know anything beyond the fact that they like him. We don't know really why. Why we uh, like just just why? And, yeah, and like they don't really know why much do about like each other. Why? Like Taiga yeah. had no had no idea that part of Kitamura's drive was the student council president. Which is why it came as such a shock to her when she when she showed up, and what led to the fight in the first place. Um, Which, speaking of that fight, I just want to briefly comment that I know that the animation and the art style of the show is very very much catered to what it is—a drama slice of life. That fight scene slaps though. Oh, it was it was a really really good fight scene. <laughs> such a good fight. Like the scene. animation, the uh, choreography, just oh, it was so good. It's so good. Uh, way better than One Punch Man season two. Um, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> so I just wanted to briefly mention that as someone who watches Shonen all the time, <clears throat> Hunter Hunter, this fight scene was actually satisfying. Um, but yes. There's not much else to say about Taiga. I mean, I think she's the character that's the easiest for the viewer to comprehend what's going on yeah to understand she's she's the character that is just nothing is said directly about her but she's the one that's just easiest to understand why she is the way she Mm -hmm. is i I do i do want to bring up i do want to bring up some like some things about her that uh kind of have a message or moral to it uh so the like her infatuation with kitamura for example um like that was really due to her emotional inexperience which prompted her to feel happy that someone finally paid attention to her and i think there's a really important message to that because sometimes what we think is love could just be the need for feeling valued and like this could easily lead to unhealthy habits and unhealthy and and more more importantly, unbalanced relationships where it's more about needing to be validated rather than actually having a relationship. And that's kind of where Ryuji comes in. Um, Ami alluded to the fact that for a relationship to work, you kind of have to see each other on equals, which is why none of the other relationships would have been able to work. Um, Taiga put Kitamura on a pedestal. Uh, Ryuji put uh, Minori on a pedestal. And really it was Ryuji and Taiga working out the dynamics of an equal relationship uh going back to the the, the tiger the tiger dragon 
kind of um, uh, comparison. Um, comparison. Yeah. The I mean, the only problem is that their own relationship was not balanced because Ryuji was the caretaker and Taiga was yeah. the child, right? And that's why Taiga had to leave by the end. Um, but Ryuji was the one that fully understood Taiga. Uh, Minari thought she did, but due to her own insecurities about Ryuji and Taiga, she couldn't... Uh, she yeah she was unable to and while ryuji and taiga's partnership was kind of what led to the the increased understanding i kind of think that they were destined to find one another uh, ryuji needed something to take care of and taiga needed to be taken care of and the message told throughout the story is that it's through him that taiga is able to begin to mature as a person and ryuji is the catalyst that causes her to act um, like even during Taiga's confession yep. to Kitamura, she said, Ryuji made this awesome fried rice. He cheered me up. He even lied to make me feel better. He was there for me. And it's because of him that I have the courage to say, I like you. Uh, and Kitamura saw through it right away. Cause he's a really, really good judge of character. Um, which is kind of weird. Cause he's a really, really bad character. Uh, <laughs> so <but> while, <laughs> so while I say that, Ryuji and Taiga were destined to find one another. I don't necessarily mean that in a romantic way, which is again why I say this is not a, a this is not a romantic comedy. No, they and could have been friends for all. They we, could have been friends, right? Of. And like this can be yeah. supported through one of Ami's final lines, and this is the thing that that we just alluded to, and you and you wrote down. One of Ami's final lines in the show sums up her like her entire character. Um, you see. I, I hated having to act like an adult and it annoyed me when everyone assumed that I was mature. But after seeing Taiga, I realized that it didn't matter as long as one person out there understood me, even if they didn't love me. People need people. And I think that you don't necessarily need to be pursuing a romantic relationship in order to get that feeling of you belong or you matter or anything like that. And yeah, that's kind of what really, what, what really like sums yep. things up. Um, and everything kind of happened, like really her development happens in the Christmas arc. There is the fall, yep. there is the, the cultural festival arc where her dad is introduced. And while this develops Taiga, I think it's more so developing the dynamic between Ryuji, Taiga and Minari. Um, yes, because really, it's what it is. It's it's a further stressing that these characters are unable to not really not just understand each other, but understand themselves. Uh, like Ryuji thinks he's doing the right thing by telling Taiga to reconcile with her dad, but really, it's just him projecting his own securities because his own left him. Um, like even though the subject of a missing father is the same, their circumstances are completely different, and yeah. Like a lot of this has to do with Ryuji's need to change what can be changed. He wants to clean this relationship. My old man's never coming home no matter how much I beg. His situation is permanent, but he sees that there's an opportunity for change with Taiga. So why wouldn't you go for it, right? And the problem is that he doesn't know anything about the situation, just about how he feels about it. And like he even tries to fool himself because he was saying like, oh, like this is the best for her. 
right? Yep. Yeah, no, and no, then he, episode ends. He acknowledges that he's aware that it's really what he wants. Yeah, and like similar to, but he still and similar to tries to push Minori uh, Minori yep. Minorin. Uh, similar to Minorin. similar to her insecurities. <laughs> Seeing Taiga fix her relationship with her dad is more or less a way for him to feel better. Yeah. Uh, rather than for Taiga to feel better. Um, which And just same way that Minori like, could have fully just told Ryuji mm-hmm. what happened in the past. But she didn't. But she didn't. Uh, do, did that help Taiga? No. Exactly. And yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. so I'll briefly talk about Christmas because it is Christmas and we can't. This is why we're we, talking about the show. We can't talk about Christmas without the Christmas episode, even though I didn't actually write that much about the Christmas episode. Uh, I'll, my, I, I, just, I just talked about um, Taiga's realization as reality finally setting in um this like i like i i talk a lot about dreams in my analysis because that's kind of what this is about is everyone's lying to themselves they're leave they're living in this fantasy world where everything is actually fine um when you're not fine uh and when it comes time for episode uh 19 well first off Liking Christmas, a very childish thing to do, correct? Um, but and wanting to be good for Santa, yeah, a very but, childish. Yeah, thing and then to do. I mean, when you go when you go deeper than that, why does Tiger love Christmas? Because it is a temporary veil that the world is better than it actually is. And Tiger says, yep. all the streets, the shops, everything's all shiny, brilliant, pretty. Everyone looks like they're having fun. Like the whole world is filled with happiness. I want to be a part of that." I want to be part of the fun and happiness. But the problem is that when Christmas ends and reality sets back in, what happens? And Taiga even seems to allude to it. And it's almost like she she chooses to accept the dream and reject reality, which is the wrong way to go. And so when, when she was talking about dreaming about Santa, she said, is it foolish of me to believe in that dream? It was just a dream, so it's fine, right? It wasn't real. I'm not clinging to anyone real. Uh, And then Ryuji, when they were setting up the tree, he says, it would only be right if everyone gets to be happy. It would only be right. So they're they're projecting their, their thoughts on what an ideal reality should be when it's far from what the actual situation is. Um... And then when we find out in the, Christ, in, the, on the, in the Christmas Eve episode, episode 19, like this is when Taiga is finally aware of everything. Uh, Santa mm-hmm. isn't coming. Guess it's no use if I'm a good girl just around Christmas. It's not like he actually exists. That's why I'm alone again this year. And while I, I'll be alone the next year and the next and the year after that with no one to cling to. Those are Taiga's quotes. That not that's not me talking about yeah. myself. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> that, that, that that I know be... those are the quotes because I was going <laughs> to oh, continue that, the quote that later. Really talk, that could be me talking about myself. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, um, and then she 
goes on to realize that she's been clinging. That she's been clinging to, to him. And, she has and, someone and to cling it's to. Even, it's even ironic because whilst talking about being alone, we see her wrapped in Ruji's scarf, which is a symbol yes. of warmth and comfort. She's literally blind. Which is also red. She's, which is also red, right? I talked about red before. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that yeah. out. Um, she is <laughs> like, she's literally blind to what's literally underneath her eyes. So like no, and and they make the subtle animation where she doesn't quite look down, but like almost like smells it, mm-hmm. and then that's when she says, "I've been clinging to Ryuji," mm-hmm. and then that's when, whew, yeah, hit, so that's when he gets like hit. A truck. So like she's raccoon, <laughs> and the the reason why it hits her, it's not just the realization, um, but. She's accepted the fact that her life has been lonely and will continue to be lonely. And like a firework, and I'll talk about fireworks with Minari, but fireworks, it brought her a fleeting sense of happiness if just for a moment. And that all changes when Ryuji visits. Essentially, what Ryuji does, Ryuji essentially brings her dreams into reality, which is pretty much what she wanted in, in like all along. And in a moment of tragedy, Taiga sends Ryuji off to find Minari before realizing that she had just rejected a happy reality by giving away the very thing that had been supporting her the entire time. And the thing about being a child on the inside is that you're unable to walk. And if you're crippled and if you don't have a crutch, you are left paralyzed and that's that's sort of why like she entered this state of shock and she lost her ability to stand we even saw that her feet had uh, uh blisters on it from from walking but it just shows to exemplify that she's unable to walk on her own and like i could have used mm-hmm. that you don't know what you got until it's gone but i hate that saying it's that's it's used it's used cliche. too much it's it's a platitude at this point yes uh it's but, cliche like when you've become completely reliant on something on so- something on s- or someone to help you get through life, you've essentially delayed your maturation. And then when the world crumbles around you, all that's left is this child that is completely exposed and unable to do anything but cry and crawl helplessly. And the yep. other consequence is that is that as a child, the pain doesn't just stop there. Um, as mm-hmm. You can do nothing but stumble and make mistake after mistake after mistake. And the amount of mistakes that happen after the Christmas episode is insane because all these characters are now faced with this reality and they have no idea with how to contend with it. Um, and the only one that has a, a clue is my girl your girl is my girl yeah and like for example like even after the christmas episode um so let's say christmas episode is reality setting in taiga's still trying to reject it in episode 20 because like she's trying to pre- she's trying to prove that she can be independent and so she's mm-hmm. like she stops seeing ryuji she's like cooking ramen for Pushing herself and yep. Ryuji brought up a good point like how long do you think this can last you've kept up one facade you saw what that did to you 
And now you've exchanged, you've exchanged it with another facade, thinking that this outcome is going to be different. And like same thing with um, with Minari uh, is that um, when they were walking to school together, and then they started talking about the mundane things and getting to know each other better. Like that's what you should have been doing in the first place, instead of doing <laughs> all this all these elaborate schemes that ended up not working. Like in a matter of seconds, like uh, Minari opened up about her little brother, and like Ryuji having already been rejected finally confessed that he was always looking at her it's it's like like these like they're putting they're putting the cart before the horse it's and uh, it's just counting their chickens before they're hatched so yeah they just they're they're lost and they have they're they're doing it in a completely backwards order right so and then that's when you start seeing uh Taiga make the mistakes of still trying to push Ryuji and Minorin together. Minori is aware, aware of this, so she's trying to go against it. And it's just a bunch of people. It, 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 everything gets derailed, right? Uh, Ryuji's just kind of left there like, what's going on? What Did you say something? Yeah, I, yeah he's like, I still stupid have tiger, stupid no tiger, idea stupid tiger, what's stupid going tiger, stupid on. <laughs> Someone yeah. please explain to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Minori. Poor Minori. Even though it's kind of your fault. Um, it's your fault. <laughs> so Minori. Um, I have, she's a very interesting character. I have her as the martyr. And usually being a martyr is a good thing. <clears throat> it can also be a bad Here, thing. Because while... Well, normally martyrs are doing things the for heroes. are doing things for the greater good. Yep. Sometimes you kind of did it uh, like you were. It wasn't necessary. She is. Yeah, yeah. Un- that's, she's that's unnecessarily setting herself on fire to keep other people warm. <laughs> yeah. So first off, for, with Minor, everything's you know, fine. Everything's fine, right? She's that. <laughs> Um, flames all over her <laughs> so with Minari uh, she is the sad clown uh, from the start of this series because uh, she's she's the Genki girl she's the like in, and in most comedies and like I say in, in most comedies that's why I don't think this is a comedy because this this completely goes against uh, what her trope is but in most comedies the, the Genki girl is the one that's overabundant in energy and everything about them is fast. They talk fast, they run fast, they typically have an extraordinary amount of self-confidence issues, even though a lot of times they're really, really stupid. Um, Very weird antics. Yeah, crazy. They're always like waving their arms around and they're like, ah, right? Wears a bald cap. And normally they have short hair. They're normally athletic of some, uh, they're normally athletic in some way. These characters idle at 10,000 RPM. Yes. But... Toradora. Yeah, very good, very good point. I don't know. Wow, nice. Sorry, that's I just analogy. To that's say, like that's a that. car analogy. Yeah, that's yeah. a very nice analogy. Yeah. Okay, whoa. But Toradora is not a comedy. <laughs> right. And, and when it comes to dramas, um, <clears throat> to show depth of character, you create contrast and personality. And when dealing with false fronts, normally the bigger the skeleton, the bigger and stronger the mask. And right from the get-go, seeing her energy and her persona 
you know, like, oh man, like something is fucked up with her. Yeah, there's some skeletons. <laughs> like, in that you don't closet. know what it is, but if anything, she's probably the most fucked up out of anyone in this entire series. So yep. for her specifically, um, she is the cl- the sad clown paradox, where there is a comedic farce that not only covers but suppresses trauma, anxiety, or sadness. And just as a kind of fun little look at what the sad clown paradox is, because there's actually a lot of similarities between her as well as where the sad clown paradox um, comes from. So one example is a uh, Pagliacci, uh, which is familiar to most people as the sad clown opera. Um, so the main character of Pagliacci, uh, Canio, uh, plays a very aloof person in, in an acting troupe. He's part of a circus or something like that. Um, so he's a very aloof person. That's his character that he plays. But in reality, he's a really serious, perceptive person with extreme insecurities. Do you, do you see where I'm getting at? Um, mm-hmm. So the famous aria, Vesti le Juba, it happens amidst his realization that another man is taking his love away. Do you see where I'm getting at with this? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've cut out... Wow, I've, this, hmm. So for those of you that are unaware of the aria, this is the aria that goes... Um, right that's sort of just expressing of uh, expressing of deep emotion so the text of that line or the text of that aria i'm just going to read it out uh the text goes like this act when my head is whirling with madness not knowing what i'm saying or what i'm doing yet it is necessary that i force myself can't you be a man you're a clown Put on your costume and smear the makeup on your face. If Harlequin, uh, um, the, the other man, uh, invites uh, Columbina away, his, his wife, if this other man invites my wife away, laugh. Turn the weeping and sighing into laughter, the tears and pain into a funny face. Ah, laugh, clown, for your love that is ruined. Laugh at the pain that now poisons your heart. And the title itself means put on the costume, Vesti Lejuba. Uh, which works brilliantly with Minori's complete denial of her feelings. And a lot of opera singers talk about just how difficult it is to sing because of the many layers of emotions that the character is feeling. Uh, There's passion, but there's also jealousy and there's despair. And then there's also the need to tell yourself that you're strong enough to bear the suffering that accompanies reality. And that just defines her so well. Um, And as with the rest of the cast, like, to keep up a facade takes energy and you can only hold on to it for so long until something or someone breaks it. Mm-hmm. So, that's you, a sad you, you, you try to keep this, this pretty image, right? And then at yeah. some point that pretty image, be it, uh, yeah, the way that you look or you could even equate it to like a star. A star on top of a tree. Star on top of a tree. <laughs> it's going to fall and it's going to shatter, right? And no matter how much you try to piece it back together, it's not going to look the same. Mm-hmm. I saw it as I saw it as something different. Did you? Yeah. I saw it as, oh man, I don't want to talk about it right now. I'm almost there. I'm about 2,000 okay, words away. I'm about 2,000 words away. <laughs> 2000 <laughs> um, I'm one essay away no, from No 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 that, that... I, like so, like not like not only uh, that but like 
not only are you putting on a mask to shield yourself from fantasy or to shield yourself from reality, sorry, but even in even knowing what reality actually is, you're not doing anything to solve the issue. You're no, almost no. hoping that this issue will just go away. Go away. Even though yep. you're not doing anything. And it's unfortunate. I mean, this is seen because Minori just decides to start completely avoiding the UG mm -hmm. at all costs. Yeah. You're coping with a situation, you're not fixing it. Correct. And 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 in her in her eyes, uh, she's putting on the facade. She knows that she's doing it to protect herself, but she tries to justify it by convincing herself that she's doing it to protect everyone mm -hmm. else. It she's acting selfless for very selfish reasons. Exactly. Uh, that is my that's 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 a point I have later. Um, oh, okay. Oops, sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Well, I mean, this next this next part isn't even analysis. It's just uh, one of my favorite parts of the show. Is okay. Uh, I love I love conceits um, or extended metaphors because mm -hmm. I like talking. I like talking about it. I mean, I've I've been using I've been using like dreams as my as as my as my theme of this entire thing. Um, the chasing ghosts or chasing UFOs. Thing, yes. I absolutely, I uh, I was so in love with it. I I saw episode nine and ten twice just to kind of well not just to watch it again because I loved it so much, but it is such a perfect way to describe it. Like if I had the writing talent to write a poem about this conceit, like I totally would. Because um, the <laughs> metaphor is just so goddamn amazing. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read the what I'm gonna read I'm gonna read uh, Minorin's um, Minorin's quotes quotes. Do you believe in ghosts? I believe ghosts exist, exist, even though I've never actually seen one. But I didn't believe any of the people who claim they have. And this applies to something else, too. I believe I'll fall in love one day, get married, and live happily ever after, even though I know I've never actually felt that way about anyone. It's like I live in a different world from the people who fall in love so naturally. And since I've never seen it before, maybe those ghosts don't exist either. I've nearly given up on ever seeing one. Can you see ghosts? Uh, she says to Ryuji. And Ryuji says, I think I'm interested in seeing them. That's why I check out mystery spots and watch scary movies. The way I see it, even people who can easily see ghosts are amazed by their first experience. There are the people who've seen them but deny their existence, and finally those who have worked really hard to see them at all, or see, to see them all. But all in all, I see no reason to give it up. And then Minori sees a UFO, but it's a satellite instead. And Ryuji was the one that told her it was a satellite. He is directly responsible for debunking any possible evidence of ghosts or UFOs um, to show that he isn't actually doing anything to show Minari that he actually likes her. And he even says like, I hope to see a ghost oh one God, day. I think my I'm sure. Oh, out we again. lost Luigi again. What is going on? I was about to get so dramatic. Technology. Too. Hello. My Discord just crapped out again. Well, at least we're still recording. I don't know Thank what's God going we're not on. recording on Discord and recording separately. Um, yeah. But should I just continue? <laughs> it's not yes. happening that much. Um, 
No, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just the yeah. second time, but still, twice too many. Mm. But yeah, so Regis, but Regis anyway. says to uh, Minorin, I hope you see a ghost one day. I'm sure there's a ghost out there who wants you to see it. It's like, idiot, you're the ghost. <laughs> just like, fucking show yourself. Just fucking say it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and like, it's like, she's trying so hard to get him to say it. Like, she could have been mm-hmm. direct, but she can't. She can't be direct. Um, the seaweed ghost no, is trying to get and, my attention. Maybe I'll see it someday. So it's it's the first time she breaks character. Yes, but she doesn't do it directly because that to anyone that's putting on a facade that big, it would be too much to yeah. just completely there, take it there away. There is right? a reluctance to to actually go full on out. To to exactly. But she still, it's the first time that we see her break character. Mm-hmm. And in a major way. I mean, she, she might do it with some subtle cues here and there. Uh, be it just the way that they animate her eyes diverting away or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. But this is the first time that she just completely breaks character. Mm-hmm. And like there there have been She's signs no of her there have been signs of her breaking it before. Uh, like when they were stuck in the storeroom right. and you can kind of see her hands were shaking. Um, to show that she was actually really, really scared on the inside. Um, so the reason why I love the UFO and ghost metaphor is because of what it represents. A UFO represents an ideal, and it's something that someone is actively looking for. And since someone is so hell-bent on looking for one, they believe it they'll believe that they see it everywhere, even though it might actually be something else. It's a form of confirmation bias where like, you have a tendency to look for and interpret favor and recall information that supports a certain belief or value. And even mm-hmm. against overwhelming evidence that it doesn't exist, you just can't help but hope that it's out there. And the UFO being unidentified it's also an unknown variable, something beyond our comprehension. And comprehension and understanding, again, is a really, really important part of the show. And if you want to be even bleaker with the symbolism, a UFO represents something that is probably out there, but the chances of us, the chances of us encountering one in our lifetime is, is extremely low. If you remember from Tony Kawa, I'm just going to bring that up, uh, NASA talked about the Drake Equation which is related to the calculated yep. probability that there is extraterrestrial life out there. And then NASA applied it to the probability of finding a soulmate. Yep. And there's a, there's a quote, which I really like that scene. Oh, I love that scene. Cause, and I still think that's the last episode I've seen because I haven't kept watching. I've been, I've yeah, been I on Tora for the entire week. Uh, there's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need to keep watching quote, the other shows. There's another quote by Arthur C. Clarke, where he says, two mm-hmm. possibilities exist. Either we are alone in the universe or we are not. Both are equally terrifying. Is it scarier to know that there is love out there for you and that there are the challenges related to it, such as finding the one, creating the relationship, maintaining the relationship and contending with everything else that comes along with it? Or is it scarier to know that there is absolutely no one out there for you? Yeah, see, that depends on character. Because me personally, I think it would be scarier to know that there's just no one out there. Mm -hmm. 
Me personally. Yeah. Someone else might say, no, it's scarier to take on the challenge mm -hmm. and, and maintain, to find it, maintain it, and nourish it. Uh, but I think the case with, I don't know what you have in your notes, but with you mentioning that, I think Minorin is kind of like in a, in be, she's trying to keep herself in between those two. She doesn't. She where, doesn't want to make a decision. Exactly. Yeah. She she's she's trying to stay on the fence of which one scares her the most. Mm -hmm. Hence, she doesn't know what to do with her actual emotions. Because I think, I think there's another there's another option, and I think this option is actually the more tragic one. Is that you? That there is life in the universe, but you completely reject it. Like there's life out there, but awesome. you choose to just live alone. And that is, that's yeah. what Minorin chose at the end, which is what made it so yes. sad. Uh, like Minorin having witnessed Taika's breakdown, uh, she went to Ry uh, Ryuji and she alluded to the talk that they had at the beach house. And she said... I'm pretty sure I don't need to see ghosts or UFOs. It's probably better that way. Meaning that, well, not only... I think I remember writing that like down. Not only the, had... The whole, it's probably better that way. Yeah, it's like not only not only has she accepted reality, uh, but she she's kind of thought about just accepting it. She's accepted it, but she hasn't actually gone through the process of uh, like understanding why it is that she's feeling that way, which is the the pro which is the reason why things didn't work out um, in the ski arc, uh, the, the skiing arc. Uh, but like yep. just like how reality set in for Taiga in on Christmas Eve, Minorin's fantasy is also over. And the reason why I say this is even more tragic is because even though she said she was going to stop looking for them, she never said she was going to stop believing in them. She is 100% certain that love exists, but she is consciously making the decision to reject it. And the problem with reality is that masks do not work. And you can kind of see that even her salute to Ryuji at the end, that cheerful attitude, it's completely dismissed in a reality that exposes everything that you are. Um, so... Yeah, it's uh, it 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 hurt it hurt the first time, and it hurt the second time, and it's gonna hurt <laughs> the third time. And I'm not yep. talking about my relationships. I'm talking about Toradora. <laughs> Toradora, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, like one last thing, and like I didn't I did I didn't expand upon it because we're out of time. But uh, just a little bit of irony in that uh, chasing a ghost can also represent the confrontation of something that scares us. Um, yeah. Or to make it more relevant, something that haunts us, and it's—I I think that's a—that's what I, I find most uh, appealing of that metaphor because she, they use. She's she's comparing love to something that is actually normally used in horror. Mm -hmm. You know, ghosts are normally seen as scary. Mm -hmm. Same with UFOs, right? Like, I don't know many shows about 
aliens coming in and saving the earth other than like Dragon Ball Z. Um, <laughs> but it's it's the idea that you're you're chasing after something that is actually frightening. Mm-hmm. Inherently frightening. Inherently frightening. Yeah. And and it and it is. It it truly is. Um but you don't you can't help yourself but believe in it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you you almost have to. And it's well otherwise the world would be uh very, very uh yeah, I don't know if you don't believe any in 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 any of those uh things, then it becomes very, very dark, I would say dark dolland right just devoid of devoid, devoid of meaning ooh, look at that us using the same word, devoid of, of all meaning, yeah mm-hmm. of all sustenance. Substance. Yeah, one more yeah. cool thing that I that I liked before I actually get into Minari's character. Uh, fireworks. Uh, because this is another important yes. char- uh, conversation between uh, Minarin and Ryuji, uh, which meant another hour of watching a two-minute <laughs> scene. Um, a two-minute scene, yeah. So fireworks, we always see fireworks in a lot of shows. And the reason for that always. is... Um, well, f- fireworks, they evoke a feeling of fleetingness, that things aren't permanent. They are transient. And there is an essay that I read. I actually read a paper uh, to talk about this. Uh, there's a paper I read regarding the symbolism of fireworks from a Japanese perspective. And uh, this, dates, this actually oh. dates back to Edo, Japan, where uh, even back then they were a symbol of short-lasting beauty. And it actually holds a cultural significance. Um, so, so is that why we see it in every single anime yes, out there? Yes, exactly. Uh, so this, this cool. is from the essay, uh, Japanese fireworks in parentheses, Hanabi, the, ephem- uh, the ephemeral nature and symbolism, uh, written by Damien Liu Brennan. This is page 197 and 198 from the International Journal of the Arts in Society. I'm sorry, I didn't cite it in M- MLA format. Forgive me. I was just about uh, to ask you <laughs> if this is proper MLA or not. But. It is not. <laughs> Um, cause I didn't, I didn't write down all accessed on December 20. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> the kind of fireworks, uh, that you normally see at a beach episode, uh, they're called Senko Hanabi or incense stick fireworks. And the yes. fireworks themselves have five phases to represent birth, infancy, youth, middle age, and old age. These are the five parts of life that the fireworks are trying to personify. So um, I'm just going to quote from the article because I didn't want to summarize it. Um, In the birth phase, the firework composition burns to leave a wire-like cinder. In the infancy phase, the cinder gradually shrinks and produces a fireball that increases in brilliancy. The youth phase then displays large pine needle-shaped sparks that project from the surface of the fireball. Next, in the middle age phase, many small sparks are emitted from the fireball. Then finally, energy fades in the old age phase as the sparks die down and become willow-like. The irregular nature of the sparks stresses the randomness and uncertainty of life. So in the firework scene of episode 10, uh, Minorin's firework burns out first. And that has to signal some sort of death. 
it could potentially it could have potentially represented the death of her fake self but that kept on um but because like as she begins to realize her feelings towards her and Miyuji's relationship this is where the pressure from the cognitive dissonance begins to build up uh, inside of her where she's not really sure what it is that she should do um, she knows she likes Ryuji and deep mm-hmm. down she actually wants to be with him but at the same time there's Taiga and that's kind of getting in the way of everything um, Yep, and that's kind of what led to her outburst at her at the end and so it's like just like everyone else she has her inner conflicts between what she thinks she wants and what she actually wants like she seemed happy that Ryuji was taking the initiative to get to know her and like she knew why Ryuji wanted to scare her and she should have seen that as a sign that he liked her and she even decided to take the initiative herself and to show Ryuji a ghost because she started flirting with him the morning after where they were prepping the lunches or, or whatnot but and what did he say she said um were you trying to scare me to tease me? I don't believe it. You never do anything to make someone feel bad. You're always thinking about how to make people happy. So why would you do this? I want to know the answer. She already knows the answer, but she wants him to actually take the initiative say and it say it in front of her. Say it out loud. Say it. And we don't know the implications about this until we know all the answers later. But Ryuji half lies to her. Minarin wants a direct answer, and the way that Ryuji answers is he just wanted to show her a ghost, and that ghosts exist. He's indirectly saying that he liked her, which is not at all what she wants from him, even though she's kind of doing the same thing back. Um, yes. But what what struck me the most was the was the phrase was when Ryuji said to her, "You can't give up on something just because you can't see it," and. This would have pissed me off so much if I were if I were her, because Ryuji's telling her he likes her, and yet his entire focus has been on Taiga the entire time. He's pretty much telling her to believe in ghosts while at the same time telling her they don't exist. And it's a satellite. Yeah. Well, he's telling her. Yeah. She's and and. But the other thing is that she, he's being so contradictory with what he's telling her and what he's actually showing her. He's telling her and showing her two yeah. different things. He's saying, I like you, but at the same time, like he's he's so focused on Taiga that Minarin can't help but think that him and Taiga are a thing. If I can be very esoteric, it's like Nietzsche telling you to believe in God whilst handing you a copy of Also Sprach Zarathustra. <laughs> <laughs> Too esoteric. No, that, that's pretty good. I like it. Uh, Nietzsche said, <laughs> Nietzsche said, God is dead. Um, and he can't, he can't. T- yeah. So Nietzsche is telling you that God exists while also telling you that God is dead. Uh, it was a weird, it's, it's a very weird, um, yeah, very weird, very weird analogy. Um, but just to kind of finish that, I was, ta- I was yeah. talking to my friends about Nietzsche at the same time that I was writing the analysis. And that's kind of the reason why it kind of snuck in there. Uh, I, I didn't, I yeah, didn't, I didn't, I didn't have to write it, but I wanted to. Um, last thing. Don't worry. I have notes on stuff on yeah, stupid final, things. Like, that uh, I, yeah. I don't think I'll touch on. I think but, we're going to hit yeah. two and a half hours. Uh, so last thing. Um, Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> during the fireworks scene, Minarin uh, references wanted to find a Tsuchinoko. Uh, she was like, oh, maybe we'll find a satellite or a chukinoko or something like that. And I think part of it had to do with just a pun or a play on words. 
But uh, Tsuchinoko is a snake-like creature that has a tendency to tell lies. And mm-hmm. I kind of found that kind of cool because it's kind of her way of calling him out. Um, so at this point, like all the evidence is against her, but she just chooses to cling to that hope. Because uh, right at the end, she sees more fireworks off into the distance, but she's like, oh, UFOs. So it's like she's choosing to accept the fantasy um, and rejecting reality, which does not go the way she, things. It's, it's not the way that, yeah, it didn't work out for her. Yep. Um, do you have anything else on Minir before I talk about altruism? Not really. No. The, this one um, we've touched on yeah on most of the things that uh that i wanted to talk about in terms of minoring this is the Kushira. this is the meat and potatoes of my thing so i call this selfish altruism and the reason why i said that is because it's so contradictory it's an oxymoron oh it's literary it's uh it's uh <laughs> it's uh it's poetic um minoring personifies irrational or fake altruism so to be to be considered altruistic is to usually, it's usually a compliment. It means that you have the happiness of others in mind, and it's seen as the opposite of pride and ego. Um, yeah, it's to be selfless, pretty much. And uh, one one criticism of altruism is that it doesn't really have any regard of the individual itself. Um, so, for example, going back to the opera, um, that aria. Um, I, the text I didn't include was the line, the people pay you and they must have their fun laugh and everyone will applaud. And she exemplifies Mm -hmm. the the phrase, like, despite what you're going through, the show must go on and you have a role to play. So play your role and don't complain. So from a psychology article written i wrote i i read i read psychology articles for this uh so from a psychology article what (laughs) so from a psychology article written by psychiatrist dr neil burton from the university of oxford uh of altruism he says a motive a motivator of altruism is fear or avoidance altruism is an ego defense a form of sublimation in which a person copes with her problems and anxieties by stepping outside herself and helping others by concentrating on the needs of others, people in altruistic vocations may be able to push their own needs into the background where they can be more easily ignored or forgotten. But he later argues that there's a bit of selfishness involved because acts of altruism are performed, quote, because they lead to pleasant feelings of pride and satisfaction, the expectation or honor of reciprocation or the greater likelihood of a place in heaven. And even if none of the above, then at least because they'll relieve unpleasant feelings such as the guilt or shame of not having acted at all. Boom. Um, is is it is it cynical of me to say that I don't actually believe in true altruism? No, because it doesn't exist. Um, yeah. So the reason I call this selfish <laughs> altruism. So she, she 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 exemplifies uh, like the fake altruism because one of the reasons why people tend to act selflessly is to hide a very selfish personality. Uh, you want to be seen as good. You want to yep. feel good about yourself. So for Minri, uh, her entire raison d'etre was to see other people happy at her expense. And while she says that seeing her friends happy makes her happy, 
why make your happiness dependent on others? And it just contradicts her statement when she when she confronted Taiga, where she says, the responsibility for my happiness lies with me and it's me only. I won't let anyone yes. else decide what makes me happy. Then why is your happiness decided by other people? Why is your happiness decided by doing things for other people? And you could also argue that she's trying to decide other people. Oh, totally right, and well. that's actually what that that's part of what that's part of what she's doing. And the main reason why she didn't why she rejected Ryuji was because she believed Taiga needed him more than her. Um, yes. So it's it's seen as a selfless act for other people, but she's essentially devaluing herself as a person. Like she always feels guilty when she does something for herself. Um, like helping other people is what makes her happy. And that's why she acts that way. And at the same time, hurting other people hurts her. And so she'll avoid hurting other people for her sake. And like, you better believe she'll avoid confrontation because regardless of what it is, she will mm -hmm. always find a way to somehow make it her fault. And God forbid mm -hmm. she does something that is legitimately her fault because it'll probably destroy her. And we see evidence of that in the show, like she lost focus in one ball game, and then as a result, she completely overcompensated by working twice as hard. And then there's the Christmas tree accident, which completely demolished her sense of value. Um, and like the Christmas tree or the Christmas star itself, like the, the, the star is yep, a symbol the... of hope and guidance. And it was a representation of how she is literally destroying everything in this world that brings Taiga happiness. Uh, i.e. Ryuji. Um, so like it's and like it's only natural that she try and avoid anything that might happen might lead to that happening. And well, like she has her heart in the right place. It's unhealthy it's unhealthy to avoid circumstances where you might either make a mistake or hurt someone because it completely leaves you unprepared in a real world where those things happen. It's not that you're... Yeah, the avoidance is the mistake. Yeah, no, totally. The avoidance is the mistake that she's making. It's not that she's going to hurt people. It's not that she feels guilty that she likes the same person as this other person. It's completely fine to feel these to feel this way. The important thing is to, one, allow yourself to feel these emotions and to know how to deal with them in the right way instead of doing nothing. And you are going to mess up you are going to hurt some feelings and you're going to need to just learn how to deal with it. And like the reason why I feel so firm into who she is is because I think that's the kind of life that I lived growing up. And that's why when I talked to you, it's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm her. Uh, that's kind of what I, that was, oh, kind, so that's that's kind what of what I was thinking it. of it. And like, I, I like there's okay. this quote from our sing yesterday or that Haru said from sing yesterday, people hate lies, but they also love them. You lie, you go with, with with what people say, and you live a BS life. You don't hurt and you don't get hurt. You become worthless and then you start to become sick of people. Liars don't lose anything, but don't gain anything. So, like, growing up, I tried so hard to be liked by everybody that I spent my entire life in the servitude of others. Like, I was a yes man. I couldn't say no. I was fine with other people's ideas being chosen over mine. I was fine with doing things for other people. I was fine with inconveniencing myself for other people. I was fine with charging less for services that I provided. And my reasons were the same as Mithrin's. I like seeing other people happy because of me. 
But at the same time, I was afraid of conflict. Um, I'm normally the first to apologize, even if it's not my fault. Um, I got rear-ended a couple of years ago. And honest to God, my first thought was feeling sorry for the guy that hit me because he probably felt bad. Like never once was I like, oh, I'm pissed. Fuck this guy. It's like, oh man, I feel so, <laughs> I feel so sorry for the guy that hit me. <laughs> my neck oh. hurts, but man, that guy. And yeah, and along with that, it's like you try to avoid making mistakes as much as possible. And yeah. while there was a part of me that liked helping people, there was a deeper reason behind it. And the problem with having an unhealthy tendency towards serving others is that you lose your own voice. And a lot of it stems from a confidence issue that I had growing up, which I'd mask by doing everything possible. And Minari does the same thing. She works multiple jobs. She like decorates cell phones. She buses tables. She works at a convenience store. She works at a ramen shop. She's captain of the softball team. She's captain of all the softball teams by the end. And it's, it's a way to cope rather than to deal with the issue. Yep. And when you go back to real altruism, I don't think it exists either. Um, but I think the closest we can get to real altruism is if you consider the intent behind an action. Um, if is an act to make yourself feel better, is it a means for self-validation, or is it for the sake of doing good? And I think that's probably the important thing to think about when you're considering whether or not an act is altruistic. And the psychiatrist talked about this um, because a good deed will always result in a feeling of satisfaction. So he made a distinction that true altruism happens if the selfish element is accidental or secondary. So the satisfaction shouldn't be the reason you do it, but it should be a consequence as a result of it. An effect. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So very well put. Okay, I agree yeah. with so that. So I, I don't think, I don't think Minarine's problems are over. Um, while sad no. at all the suffering that she had to go to, and the fact that she could never win, and she actually probably came out as the biggest loser. If I did have to choose one, there's solace yeah. in knowing that she's starting to figure herself out. And her confession, at episode twenty two, whatever that scene is where they're running through the halls. Um, 24. No, it was before that. Because they're running through the halls 24. and Taiga runs away. This was the beginning. It was 24. the beginning of 24. That's correct. I was thinking the end yeah. of 23. Um, <laughs> end of 23 is when she yeah. asks Ryuji, what yes, are you going to yes, do? Yes, are you yes, going to chase yes, her yeah. or what? Um, and then he's like... <gasps> but that was actually her being selfish for her. Um, a good kind yeah, of selfish. Yeah, that was her first time. Like, like yeah. she... Like that confession was yeah. Like, that, are you gonna stay that, here yeah, with me, like that, or are you that gonna confession go? was more for herself rather than anyone else? Uh, you have to learn yep. how to do things for yourself and be fine with the fact that you're doing something for herself for yourself, which is what she did. Um, and the other thing is that just because opportunities have passed you doesn't mean that you still can't see closure from it, because sometimes closure is the final nail in the coffin to finally bury a skeleton. That hasn't gone away and you see Correct. that because the second yep. she confesses that's that's when she can actually allow those feelings to manifest themselves and that's why she broke down um at the end was that she held all of these feelings inside and it's only through the catharsis the releasing of those emotions that she can actually begin to pick up the pieces and repair 
yeah and move on keep moving mm-hmm. forward it's not good to bottle things up mm-hmm. not good to bottle things up i still struggle with that today to this day uh being able to take those selfish moments mm-hmm. And, and, and to be and actually think, I'm do and this to be for myself. a good kind of selfish because there is a bad kind yes. of selfish where everything is about yourself and well yeah i mean because that's why the word selfish has a negative exactly, connotation right? but there is right? like it, you you need to learn how to do things for yourself not at the expense of other people but for yourself yep which brings me and i agree um mm-hmm. it, it, it i i find that it's it's very uh satisfying that the show it doesn't leave you wondering with the main characters but with the side characters it does because you're left wondering which is the better part of the show <laughs> to be perfectly yes honest. no exactly yeah because because it, it feels fulfilling in itself with the main characters sure but at the same time it it leaves so much more to be uh maybe like explored in your own imagination mm-hmm. uh, with the, with the side characters, except Kitamura, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it leaves you wondering like, okay, so with everything that they learned, like what happened with Ami and uh, Minori? And uh, the, it's funny that you say the thing about closure, because I actually do think that Ami didn't really quite get the closure. I think, but I'm going to disagree. I think she got closure well earlier, well, like well before early, uh, on. early on in the, in the show, um, which just goes to prove just how good of a, good of a person she is. Um, how, how ahead of everyone else. She's she ahead is. of the curve, which brings me to Ami, the adult. Thank you for the segue, by the way. Ami um, the adult. I know. I figured that's what you were having. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> I, I want to see where, where, where do you think she got the closure? But let let let's see what uh, what research papers you whipped out for. for I didn't re- I didn't research, but I did. <laughs> I definitely did pull something out of my ass. Um, did you? <laughs> so with Ami, she is introduced as a bitch, and oh, you, major you, bitch. like you do like, like, like you do not like her. No, in your first in your first in your first watch through, my, like during the rewatch, I'm like, this is, mm, 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 mm. oh man, yes. Um, well, no, on my first walk watch through, I don't remember hating Ami by the end. Oh, not by the end. Well, but in but, like, like, the but I first, didn't appreciate her to the point that I do now. Uh, well, you hate her in the first couple episodes that you yes. that we see her, no, and and they set her up that way, right? Like she's this princess who just rolls and in. She's fake. Uh, very fake. But she actually ends up becoming and, and the most real person in the show. It, which is ironic. Yeah. Uh, and exactly, like she's very fake, but but the show doesn't hide that at all, right? Like it's 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 blatant. Mm-hmm. They just blatantly put that yeah. out there. Um and and I do like how the show really tries to What's the best way to word it? To to showcase how much effort you have to put into being fake mm-hmm. by giving us that. Um, 
what's what's the what's the word um what's the what's the other type of irony not irony where it's like oh this is ironic like uh where like dramatic irony where we know something dramatic the irony don't it, it's a yes so it's the but the thing is it's not the viewers that that know something only it's that ryuji knows who her true self is mm. like how how ami actually acts when she's being more real with other people but then since ami doesn't know that ryuji knows she's still trying to put this facade this this mm-hmm. act of oh look i'm just ah it's like quit oh, your oops. bullshit right now i can't believe it. i couldn't <laughs> believe i do this ah oops i guess i'm so silly <sighs> oh you guys think i'm pretty what are you talking about please when in reality she's being like yes brace me more <laughs> <laughs> and and even then like that uh quote unquote true self of her like it it, it the show still kind of sets her up to be like the the more disliked character when eventually she takes on the role of the advisor mm-hmm. there I would are say. for me there are two things that ami represents uh ami represents the adult but she also represents reality and the one thing that the other characters yes. don't like they don't like reality and I think everyone... They ignore everything I she says. people in general don't like reality. And I think that's why they don't like Ami. I am such a realist, which is why she is my favorite character. Uh, <laughs> uh, so my... Yeah, I, I was struggling with that too, because I found myself liking Ami a lot. <laughs> yeah, more and more. I think, I think the, older, more and the more. older you get, that's kind of, that's kind of what happens. Or maybe yeah, get fucked around by life enough times, and yeah, you'll uh, you'll turn into her. Because I was Team Taiga, right? Obviously, uh, and I was gonna touch on that later, but I think you know, I I don't know where I stand now. <laughs> but yeah, Ami is definitely. I, I I like how you how you put that. She represents reality, and you, and you're right because they're constantly ignoring all her mm-hmm. comments. They're constantly ignoring her reality, their their own reality, as she's constantly trying to call them out on their bullshit without without saying it mm-hmm. flat out. Because if she says it flat out, then they don't realize it for themselves. Yep. That is that is exactly that's exactly what I thought. So my my analysis of Ami actually started in the second half because I don't like her 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 whole stalker incident. It happened over the course of just like one episode. It, and it was really what it was is just to kind of set her up as the as as a character. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm. I'm yeah. Oh, no, I'm not going to yeah, talk about the stalker a... incident because one, I don't think we have time, but also I don't think it's that relevant in terms of who she actually is. Episodes one through five is just character mm-hmm. introductions, literally. So, so why I love Ami, um, aside from her fake self that she puts on in public, uh, her true self, extremely brutal, brutally honest and frank. So. Once she has the most intuition out of all the characters, she knows everything from the get-go. Um, yes. She knows how to provoke and push people's buttons, which doesn't happen unless you're extremely perceptive to personalities and people's insecurities. And like from her, 
unimpressed state of being where she's just never impressed by the things that people do. Uh, that's me. <laughs> the, the constant. The constant just, oh. uh, you again. <laughs> like when, when. Someone so, someone does something like, like when oh, in, ep- cool. in episode twenty in episode yeah. twenty when Ryuji and Minorin walk into school and they're holding Taika's bag, and you see Ami's face and she's like, Ugh. <laughs> seriously, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like I mean, the thing is that she has no time for bullshit, dilly dallying, faffing about. No lollygagging, no and. <laughs> <laughs> like I think I think her and Ryuji could have worked out. Uh oh, 100%. Like when she when when 100%. she talked to Ryuji she said uh you're you're like the moon, Minari is like the sun. Uh, get too close and you'll get burned. Uh, adoration never leads to a balanced relationship. What you really need is and then she was going to say her but she trailed off. Um and like whether or not they would make a good match, you could debate that, I think. But the two definitely resonate with each other. Uh, like during the fireworks scene, when they're reflecting on their conversations, they both acknowledge that they can see through each other. And as Ami described it, they're on equal grounds. And yes. you can even see that represented in the scenes where Ami is in her own little world between the vending machines. Ryuji will often sit down across from her to meet her eye to eye. Or if Ryuji's standing, a lot of times Ami will stand up. Uh, and that's just kind of to symbolize that they are on equal uh, equal terms with one another. There's also breaking reality to Minari when they were like finding the photos for the culture festival. Um, she said, it's just mm-hmm. photos. It doesn't matter who has them or who or why they want them. And she knows that Minarin's thinking that, oh, this is a sign that Ryuji likes me. Um, but she's trying to prevent her from getting burned pretty much. It could be seen as a malicious act like, oh, we both like this person, so I'm going to try and not uh, I'm going to try to take you out of the picture which is what everyone else in the story is trying to do. Like, there's that whole debacle between the, yes. the glasses friend and then Ami's friends, how they're trying to set people up with the other people just to get the competition out of the way yeah. so yeah. you could like that, that uh, could have been, yeah, whatever whatever his, his name's Noto. I had to write red, it down. And then, like, I, and then the redhead and the purple-haired girl. Um, Kihara and then the, yeah, yeah. the other the purple-haired, so, I don't know. Like you could, it could have been seen as a malicious act, but you could see from Ami's face that it was definitely out of concern. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like she cheered up the teacher because the teacher was a butt of the joke for a couple episodes where she was lonely. Uh, throughout the entire series. Throughout the entire series, but especially during, the, during that specific arc. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I wrote this analysis before watching episode 15 where Minarin really explains it quite nicely. Ami works in the grown-up world. She knows a lot more than a bunch of kids like us. If you think about it, she's been really patient dealing with her immature brains that can't understand the things she does. And then like her choosing to stay after the stalker incident shows her being aware of what it is that she needs. Because um, we didn't really address mm-hmm. what it is that she's looking for. Being like her choosing or like being in the fashion industry, like Yasuko, like Ami grew up too quickly. 
And while she learned how to be more independent, self-sufficient, and dare I say, wiser than most people her age, what she sacrificed in exchange was going through the, de the development stages of youth where you start to figure things out and where you can, you're allowed to almost, you're al almost allowed to be naive and immature because it's more mm -hmm. forgiving and there's less consequences to being a stupid. And mm -hmm. not only that, but yep. it's a really fun part of growing up since you're free from responsibilities. This goes back to Ryuji's um, contention with being a kid. But, and aside from that, like being an adult is hard and the things you have to deal with make the problems of teenagers so trivial sometimes. Oh God, and yes. <laughs> while she was seen through the eyes of an adult, or she was seen as an adult through the eyes of the world, um, like her teacher called her an adult and she corrected her um, like underneath, uh, under her breath. Uh, she knew that she was a child on, she was still a child on the inside and that there were still so many things that she needed to learn. Um, she's also a character that is torn between two personas early on in the series. There's the professional one that needs to maintain an actual fake image. Like she actually needs to put on a persona yep. to be an actress and to be a model. And then there's the true self, which is just beginning to reveal itself. But just being being in the infancy stages of this process, there's discomfort and there's growing pains accompanied with it. And it's almost ironic how she feels comfortable being sandwiched between two vending machines, but it represents a safe space where she can be fully protected. With vending machines on either side of her and a wall behind her, she um, she's completely boxed in, but she's if she's able to manage what it, what's in front of her, and that's the only side she has to cover, then she's fine. Um, and th like this is a common tactic that a lot of civilizations use throughout history. A civilization will settle in a mountain range, and while it severely hinders its ability to expand and grow, what you gain is a feeling of safety. Um, it is confined comfort to be more alliterative than I already have been uh, this episode. Um, so the other thing is that mm -hmm. it's usually Ryuji that interacts with her in, in this area. And usually Ryuji is the one that causes her to actually come out of that safe space, uh, which is the reason why she, yes. she fell for him in the first place. And I think that's even further um, emphasized by the time that she's sitting in that space and it's actually Minori who approaches mm -hmm. her. And you just see the disappointment in Amy's mm. face. And she leaves because that is the one, like you're saying, that's the one, the one uh, kind of wall that she can control. Mm -hmm. And she didn't accept who was going to sit in front of her. Hence, mm -hmm. not worth her but, time. But like she doesn't see, she doesn't see Minorin as her equal. And if you, exactly. if you, if you're not on her equal terms, don't talk to me. See ya. See ya. Yeah. Just badass. Oh, totally, awesome. right? Like, if you're if, if you're not <laughs> worth my time, get the fuck away from me. And it's harsh, but you only have so many fucks to give, and you you it's might efficient. as well give them to things that are worth your time. It's efficient. Um, <laughs> She's just trying to manage where she puts yeah. her effort uh, after after so much wasted mm. effort in trying to. Yeah. keep up that no, and like, and, like and as an adult like up. you have 
other things to worry about, which is why I lo- like yeah. I love the when Kitamura went crazy after the uh, student council president defended him. I like those episodes because of Ami, because yes, not because the of way Kitamura. that she was completely indifferent to Kitamura's predicament. Oh, like this. Oh, the spoiled honor student is just itching for attention. Like she has no time for bullshit. Mm-hmm. And like the way that she acted was similar to how I did when I changed degrees and then I found myself as a 21 year old amongst a bunch of freshmen. And it's crazy how just like a three year difference completely changes your worldview and values. Like every day I would just hear constant complaining about, oh, my schedule is so full. I can't believe I have to write that much for an essay. Oh, this prof gives us so much work. I have to practice so much. <laughs> Or even just like listening to just the typical <laughs> drama of young adults where people just bitch and complain about each other. And yep. like and like the absolute worst is when people get into a pissing match, but who's the busiest? And then that's when I know to leave because I don't like hating people as much as as much as I hate people, I don't like hating people. And like I'm and, and like Yeah, and you if you stay there, you're just gonna be yeah, like, I'm just gonna be fuck? resentful. <laughs> and the thing is that like I'm not saying like if you if you're listening to this and you were a music student at the University of Calgary, I'm not like calling you out. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. And like I'm Lies, he's calling you everyone and, out. Like I'm right not now. saying that like I'm not saying that people <laughs> don't have problems. Because of course people don't have problems. Life is hard and everyone has their own share of hurdles. And like to recall a recurring theme of the show, you can't judge what you don't know. And the people Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. constantly misinterpreting what people feel. And then that's what causes them to get into trouble. So you can't judge because you don't know jack shit about people. But so many of the issues that young people face are so trivial and often voluntary. Like you're complaining because you have to write an essay? Like, why did you join the class then? Like, you have six classes that you have to do work for? Well, why'd you sign up for that many classes, right? Like, you're putting yourself in that situation. It's almost like you're you're making things hard for yourself so that you can have something to kind of get sympathy from people from. Um, so, and that, that, that's, that, that was her attitude to Korsuki Tamura because he was, he had such a stupid arc where this guy, this girl rejects you and then suddenly you're just going to go crazy. Uh, like... Ah, oh. wait, 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 wait. You mean to tell me that when you were rejected for the first time in your life, you didn't go blonde? And then I didn't quit my first? responsibilities. You didn't run away from oh, and Luigi cut out again. <laughs> there goes my Discord again. Jesus! Thank God! Thank God! Jesus. Thank God! We're almost at the end. <laughs> yeah, I thought why. Yeah. This, uh, this, anyway, this, this I was, two hour I was mark just simply is, asking you, like, you, you never went blonde? This two hour mark is brought to you by water. Because, oh man. Maybe you should break this up. Yeah, or right, when we tell people to say that this is a long episode, we should probably put markers in terms of where like things are. So, probably. probably. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I didn't. I, I did stupid probably. shit, but I didn't make a scene. Um, oh, I, w- I did stupid shit too. But yeah, I, I, I never, I know, I don't. At least I don't recall. And and I mean, obviously, I look back at my own uh, childhood with uh, major cringe. Oh, it's so so cringe. <sighs> major yeah. cringe, especially junior mm-hmm. high, high school. I, I don't think high school. Well, okay, I cringe at high school as well, but junior high. Yeah, and and like that's Holy and that's smokes, and that's Kitamura because he like Kitamura is that guy that looks like he has everything figured out, but then suddenly he's he can he, he acts like a brat. 
because he didn't get what he wanted. Yeah. And he makes a scene yeah. because of it. And and to be honest with you, I actually thought that Kitamura could have had potential as a character at first. Like within the first few within the first few episodes. Sorry, we're actually moving on to Kitamura here before, before we get back to Ami. Finishing yeah. off uh, Ami. But so I'll, I'll I'll actually touch on that later. Never mind. Well, let's um, talk about it now because we're already talking about him. I guess um, it'll be brief anyway. But yeah, he. I feel like he could have played a bigger role by being the one male friend that actually understood mm. Ryuji. I feel like that could have. Obviously, the story as we as we see doesn't necess- doesn't need that role. Well, the the show. But that would have been an interesting role for him to actually yeah. fill. What he ended up doing was that he kind of had this character arc, which just all it really served was to show Taiga that Kitamura is not interested in, yep. in her. Yep, <laughs> that's that's what I wrote. And Taiga just had to accept the fact that she's not the one in yeah. Kitamura's like, if you, heart. It, it, this is what I wrote. <laughs> and then she realizes that hey, this actually isn't bothering me that much. If you think about the role that Kitamura has had has had in this show, it would be he's the person of interest by one of the main characters, and that's it. Yes, he he's a driver of plot. He's a he's a quasi yeah. MacGuffin. I don't know if you know what a MacGuffin is. I've so a MacGuffin is a plot device uh, that is used to encourage mm-hmm. motivation and drives plot. So, for example, like One Piece. What is One Piece? Like we don't know, the one right? Piece. Like the, the, the like even, even the yeah, characters yeah. don't know what One Piece is, but they're trying to find it. And that's sort of the that's that that's the thing that drives all the characters to do stuff. Uh, the One Ring is a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. The One Ring has powers, but aside from that, it's this thing that just people want, and it's the thing that causes things to happen. Because well, you have to bring the One One Ring to Mordor to um, to end Sauron. Um, but aside from that, that's it. It's the thing that drives plot, um, and that's what Kitamura is. Like, so there's nothing else to him, but like he does. He does that. And like, like, you know, like, like he, it could he, be like, like part of the reason why it took this long for an episode to focus. No, it took this long for us to have an episode on him, which could be the reason why he didn't get developed. But Ryuji got developed way later and his arc was so much better. Um, yeah. And Kitamura just kind of gets a lame ass shit. The girl I like doesn't we got like lame ass shit with his arc. Yeah. The girl I like doesn't like me. She went off to America, and at the end of the series, yeah, Kitamura Senpai is going off to America as well. Yeah. All right, cool. You're or maybe because her. I'm just Great. looking Good at this through an Ami perspective, maybe a younger me would have sympathized with him a little bit more. Sympathized with him? Maybe I don't know. I sympathized with the president more than I've sympathized with yeah. Kitamura. That's yeah, I mean, the, the, the president is I, actually I, like I, sacrificing something because she liked him back, but. Yes, she knew, but she understood. She understood. That he'd be yeah. an idiot, and he was an idiot because he, <laughs> like, at the end of the series, he goes to America to go after her. <laughs> yeah, he goes to America anyway. Oh man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know. In my notes, I literally wrote that Kitamura was sort of playing a bigger role in the in the beginning. Uh, he was the one, f- like, because we start off the show, and Kitamura is the only guy talking to mm-hmm. Ryuji. But by the end of the show, somehow. And 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 I I know that it's because they're becoming their true selves, and everyone else is is kind of 
noticing how endearing they are as characters. But the entire class care, cares about Taiga and about mm-hmm. Yuji. But in the beginning, no one yeah. did. I, that, that's a really right? good point because we see the interactions where more people are starting to interact with them. And then by the end, they by the end when in. they're in their last year, they're, they're celebrities pretty much. Everyone's talking about them. Basically celebrities. Exactly. And, and that's the thing though. That's where Kitamura kind of fa- falls into a trap where he just becomes inst- one of the henchmen. He just becomes literally instead of... They become the three stooges. Kitamura... Haruta and then Glasses mm-hmm. Boy, Noto or whatever. They just become the three stooges. They're just there for some comedic relief, which isn't really that funny. Well, actually, I think Haruta's fucking hilarious because of how stupid he is. And, and he's supposed to mm-hmm. be stupid. But And then the, the whole random, I have a good friend. <laughs> which is kind of weird. Because like the, the idiot has a girlfriend. <laughs> but I think part yeah. of that is because he is who he is. Who he is. He is, he is who he is. He's himself. So he's he's never tried to be anyone else. Uh, Noto, the glasses boy, is always trying to bully the shit out of uh, the girl he likes and trying to get her to not look at Kitamura. Mm-hmm. Kitamura's always yeah. trying to present himself this way. Haruta's just there like... I'm living my life. I had a, I had it's a not dream the best life, but it's mine. Everyone was in bunny, <laughs> in bunny suits. Yeah. Yeah. I have a good friend. Good friend. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so for example, Haruta, I really enjoyed his character. The glasses guy, I don't give a shit about him. And then Kitamura just kind of joins those ranks, mm-hmm. right? Like he just, you stop giving a shit about him. Like also put on a goddamn shirt. You're supposed to be this, like the, the school, like, like student council president and you're walking around. He's not the, a student like, council president. He is the patron so, saint of unrequited love. Yes, true. Right, yeah. But he's freaking wearing suspenders yeah. just to cover his nipples. <laughs> it's like, bro, <laughs> chill. Uh, Who are you trying to impress? The girl you I like know. left. Chill. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, he, he he takes on this. He just joins the ranks of the, the guys that are there for comedic relief. And, and it makes the character fall yep. flat because at first he was actually trying to do some or what felt like some uh significant plot mm-hmm. development but after his own shitty arc where he just exactly like a spoiled brat he just has mm-hmm. a tantrum then that's yeah, it like I, like I don't i don't know if you notice i didn't have a title for him because i didn't i didn't feel like i needed to because there was nothing much <laughs> yeah there's what would what, what title would you keep give the more of uh, the I would find a word that starts with kn where it's not quite like it doesn't start with a k like it starts with a k but it sounds like an n to symbolize the fact that he actually yeah. isn't all that he is <laughs> it, it would be it's kind of like a half uh i rhyme where words look the same but sound yeah. differently like uh um, like let's say clove and dove where they're spelt the same or they look like they would sound the same but they're not I would do that so yeah, they, they, Kitamura they like they the rhyme, but they don't. N- what words knock night something like that I'd have to think about it definitely not a knight no. but oh or maybe knob 
the knob. more than yeah, there it is. <laughs> the knob. <laughs> oh man, get to more of the knob. We're coming up yes. to two and a half hours. <laughs> oh my god! Hell yeah, brother! Should I oh, should I talk about Greece? Greece, huh? Yeah, Greece. Yes, go ahead. Like Greece. Okay, wait, wait. Sorry, Greece as in yeah. the country or Greece as in the musical uh, the country. Um. Okay, so not John. Okay, so one fun fact: um, episode uh, <laughs> episode seventeen. Episode seventeen is where the pieces start to be put into place that leads to the climax. This is the start of the Christmas arc. Uh, so uh, Kitamura's yes, uh, love interest is out of the picture. Um, Ami unleashed the seeds of doubt in Minorin's mind. Uh, Ryuji starts to feel yep. conf- to feel conflicted about Taiga and Kitamura. And then the title of the episode is Mercury is Retrograde at Christmas, uh, which refers to the actual phenomenon when Mercury's orbit seems to go backwards due to an optical illusion. Um, Mercury was the Greek messenger god and res- was responsible for communication. Um, it's superstition among like astrologists that when Mercury exhibits retrograde motion, it causes a disruption in communication between people. I just thought that was a kind of a nifty, uh, nifty little thing. Hmm. Reason why I wanted He's He's Roman. Oh sorry. He's not Greek. Fuck. Gre- oh Greece is later, <laughs> sorry. Roman god. Um He's a Roman god. I was thinking, wait, the planets are Roman. I'll, I'll edit that out. Mercury was the Roman god, messenger god. <laughs> Roman. <laughs> Roman. <laughs> Mercury was a Roman. Alright. Um going into Greece. Going into yes. Greek. Um when I when I referenced that when you talked about the Matrix and I said, "Oh, the Matrix, eh?" Um, yes. This show is about people living in a fantasy world and being brought into reality. And when I thought of that, I thought of the Mat- I thought the of the Matrix. Matrix. And this is so. This wow. I call this Ami as Morpheus, uh, not alliteration. It's more consonants <laughs> with the M's. But this is Ami as Morpheus. So. Okay. When I say Morpheus, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne from The Matrix. So yes, yes, this, yes, yes. the reason Literally, why I talk, which pillar you got? The choose. reason why I end with this is one, always my favorite character. Two, this encapsulates everything, um, and three, this was fun to research and to talk about because it, I had to watch The Matrix to do this now. Um, so this, did you I actually watch it? That were important. Oh, okay. Um, so this includes all of the stuff okay. I talked about before about Ami being. Ami being the most grounded in reality, most honest with herself, and everyone just not being honest with themselves. And I thought of this Matrix analogy after watching episode 18, which was the lead up into the climax mm-hmm. at Christmas Eve. Uh, and this was specifically when they were preparing for the party and Ami and Ryuji were talking in the storage closet. And it's here that Ami continues to set things in motion by trying to indirectly explain what's going on in Ryuji's head. Are you familiar with the Matrix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, Ami's, Ami's uh, speech. The three of you stick to your roles as though you're playing house. Dad, mom, and baby. Why are you playing daddy? Your relationship is really unusual. You should stop this childish game. It was wrong to begin with. You better stop before someone gets hurt. Now, for those of you that don't remember The Matrix, the setting involves the human race literally being enslaved by machines where their minds are uploaded into a dream world where everything seems normal. Uh, the human race is literally living in blissful ignorance, unaware of the bleak reality that they are actually in. And then Morpheus was actually the name of the Greek god. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, 
but Morpheus was actually the name of the Greek <laughs> god of sleep and dreams. So how does this relate to Ami? Correct. Ancient Greek. So yes. Morpheus, the Greek god, uh, had the ability to assume different forms and mimic living beings, um, which made him potentially deceptive. Uh, he traveled into people's dreams and often transmitted messages from the gods as if prophesizing about things that were to come in the future. He was ever knowing. This made him an extremely important figure and personified the importance of dreams as well as the hidden messages and insights they held. Uh, Ami herself, as a model and actress, took on many different personalities and identities and forms. Uh, she could even do over 150 impersonations and accents. Uh, she had incredible insight, and she often talked in obscure metaphors. Um, she was never really direct in, uh, in her thoughts. And then connecting her to Morpheus of the Matrix, Ami is the one that is trying to bring each of our characters into reality by showing them what reality actually is. She was never really, um, like, just like Morpheus, she's giving people the option of swallowing the red pill that she had already swallowed mm -hmm. following the stalker incident. I think that's where her character was just um, defined was that moment. Um, so she's trying to get people to swallow it. Sometimes she's just shoving it down their faces. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, um, so like when she says that they're playing house, uh, Ryuji, Minorin, and uh, Taiga, she's saying that you are living in this make-believe dream world with these preconceived notions of parental roles. And this dream world is far from the bleaker situation that you are currently in. Since you guys are so quick to deny your true feelings and lying to one another and yourselves, with every mistake you make, all you're doing is compounding the problem. And while it's gonna hurt for you to realize the truth, better do it now than later, since the shock will be greater if you learn too late and you realize that not only have you lost time, you've lost opportunities. And I think the biggest opportunity that was lost was just that chance for Ryuji and Minorian for to be a thing. And mm -hmm. the Christmas arc is, again, like I said before, that's when um, our characters are finally brought into the real world. Um, Taiga realizes that she actually needs Ryuji. Minorian finally has all the evidence needed to verify that. Um, and reality is bleaker than the fantasy that they were running. And there's a shift in emotions. Like the entire ski arc is just people being bitter and resentful towards one another, which yeah. is kind of what they were feeling on the inside from the very beginning. Going back to Morpheus, like the, the problem with trying to show people the truth is that people will either dismiss it or actively try to defend against it. Uh, in Matrix, there was, the, um, there was, a, uh, there was Cypher, who rejected reality because it sucked and he wanted to he wanted, he wanted to, go, to back go back into the matrix. matrix. Yep. So the truth isn't always the easiest thing to hear and accept. Hence all the breakdowns and fights and screaming matches that happen afterwards. Um, but the thing is that the characters have already started to doubt their fantasies since everyone has talked about how harsh reality actually is. And then there's that feeling that things aren't what they seem like a dissonant chord in their brain. Um, there are some wheels turning, like uh, like when Taigo uh, was trying to was talking was confessing the Kitamura and said, "Well, uh, Ryuji cooked for me, and he gave me the confidence to actually confess to you." Um, Kitamura, after being rejected by the student council president, had that talk with Ryuji, where it's like, you know, life kind of sucks, doesn't it? Um, 
And then going into the actual specifics of the Morpheus scene, or the Morpheus pill scene from The Matrix, uh, when he's trying to open Neo's eyes to the truth, he says this. You're here because you know something. What you know, you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. And there is some discussion as to why Ami wasn't direct, why she didn't just tell people. And I think it's because it's not her role to reveal anything. Um, from another conversation between Morpheus and Neo, when they go to see the Oracle, uh, he says, I'm trying to free your mind, Neo, but I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through it. And there's also this message in this yep. Oracle's house, which is why I came to that um, when I said at the beginning that this show is about knowing oneself. In the Oracle's house, there is a saying that says temet uh, noske, which is Latin for know thyself, um, where you kind of have to know what your actions are, or you need to understand your actions um, in order to act, in order to truly know who it is that you are. And that if you can't understand your actions, you're unable to see past what those actions might represent or what they, al- or what they could also lead to. Because um, will, tell, will telling someone the truth actually make them change? I don't think so. It's like that meme, like most people rejected his message. They hated Jesus because he told them the truth. It's the same, it's the same thing where people don't like being told the truth. And so a lot of times they'll reject it. And sometimes it's better to actually put the seed in their brain and have them figure it out by themselves and have them go through mm-hmm. the process of rationalization, which is actually a much more effective way of going about it. Yes. So, um, yeah, she is the... She is the one. She's she is Morpheus. Morpheus. She is trying to get each of the characters to swallow the red pill and bring them into reality. Would you say that Ryuji would sort of fill the role of Neo? Kind of. Um, so then what you mean to say is that you ship Neo and Morpheus. Yes. Neo himself is a fairly naive person who doesn't really understand what's going on uh, when oh, Neo yeah. sees the oracle um, the oracle says you're kind of cute I can see why she likes you and he just says who and the oracle says not too bright though <laughs> yeah no do, do, well dude uh, they never uh I don't think about the Matrix much, so that's interesting. I think that's going to be a hot take. Yeah, uh, I think that'll draw attention for sure if we if we make a Reddit. So post. that's all I got. Dora Dora is I the am, Matrix. I'm tired <laughs> and I'm hungry, and I have I, I have stuff starving. to do in about an hour and a half. But I, but I have yeah. one question for you. What was your initial rating of this show before you rewatched uh, it? I would say nine. Where do you have it now? Did Nine. it change? Yeah. Nine? It, it goes through a lot of important things about growing up. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes... Sometimes things felt rushed or out of place or unnecessary. Um, like having the climax in episode 19, everything that happened afterwards was just a blur. 
like it just one thing happens after another, just trying to resolve everything. I, I, I just found the pacing just a little off to be perfectly honest. Um, I personally think they should have focused on some of the other characters a little bit more. Um, which is, I think okay. you talked about that. I mean, Kitamura didn't really get fleshed out as much as he could have. Uh, There's a lot of potential for him to be yep. a lot more than what he actually was. And the thing is that we're looking at this from an anime perspective. Um, there was a light novel. Um, there is, well, the manga, I think, came after the anime. Um, and then there's also the visual novel that you can that you can go through, right? And so there's a, there's a lot of other sources where things, yeah, I mean, things are potentially more fleshed out in those sources. I actually, that's kind of one of the downsides to my analysis is that I didn't really consider the other sources. The other, the, the yeah. source material. But aside from that, like I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the thing is that I, I wouldn't have worked this hard on this analysis if I didn't enjoy it. Oh, I mean, yeah. I hope not. I hope you don't yeah. like doing things like, you don't, it you don't hurt. enjoy. <laughs> like doing the, this, doing this work hurt a lot and there were and there were times where i would have to just i i like i i i, I like i just I, I had to go for a walk sometimes just to figure out um cool, cool off, off like like figure, figure things, things out, out how yeah. to word certain things how to connect dots and all that and like this really wasn't like i wasn't cr- trying to make this isn't really like creating an argument creating an argument more so than just like observations that i had uh, to because to create an actual like cohesive argument that takes even more time than the research um i could probably oh, yeah, i could maybe write a thesis a, like an actual like paper on this if i wanted to <laughs> which i thought about because actually the subreddit has a writing club where people write uh, people Does write it? essays and I, like, I thought about just putting all this stuff into an actual essay but that's going to take a lot of time um that's but who knows a lot of time but I'm, I think we're straying, we're straying from the topic just a little bit too much. Um, a but. little bit. Um, I, I wanted to briefly say that after this rewatch, I think my scoring of it did change. To some extent, yes and no. I had it as a 9 out of 10 before. And needless to say, I appreciate the show more now. But I really wish that my animalist had 0.5s. 9.5? Because I would put it at a 9.5. I think that's a, that's a good place uh, to put it. Because I, I, I was very conflicted. I was like, do I want it to be a 10? No. Because I still want to cherish those 10s as like mm-hmm. the shows. And and I've actually bumped out a couple shows from my tens just after mm-hmm. watching this. I reflected further on on my on my scoring, and there's a lot of shows that I would give it nine point five, but I wouldn't give it a full blown hundred percent. If there was a nine point five, I would give this a nine point five. It has a couple things I see. That's where know. I wanted to see where mm-hmm. where you stood because I I would give it a nine point five now. I, I had it as a nine and on the website, I kept it as a nine, but mentally it, it's a 9.5 for me. So that's, that's interesting. That's cool. Nice. Good. That's why I was thoroughly satisfied with this rewatch. Me too. Um, it was, uh, it's just a good show, man. <laughs> it's just, a good I show. enjoyed, 
I enjoyed being very objective about it. And I really like looking at it from another perspective, which is probably what I'll do when I do other rewatches is just try to see things from another point of view. Yeah. Pay attention to what's outside mm-hmm. of the spotlight. You know, because like you're saying, this show is not really a romance show. No. If people say it's the best romantic comedy, I disagree because it's not a romantic comedy. <laughs> no. It's a good show. Um, it's not a good romantic comedy. I think... I do, however, want to end by saying that I do think that it's a love story. Yeah. It's yeah. a love story, but about loving oneself. Yeah, yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with that. It's about loving oneself, and then you can grow and go on to live your life. So that's all that's I want to, to say about things. <laughs> Uh, for for those, thank you. Know, you. I, I've been yeah. holding on to oh, that for 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 yeah. a while. I've been like, oh, I want to yeah. say it. I want to say it. I find the right it. time and just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you that have stuck with us uh, throughout this near three hour Good episode, on you. one congratulations. Um, you win. I don't know. You win a shout, a shout out. out. <laughs> uh, two. Uh, yeah, it, it it took a lot of hard work for you to listen to that, but. To, not to be not to tout my own boat but toot my own horn that's the that's the saying uh to my to toot my own, to, horn, yeah, it's, toot your own horn this was a lot of work to prep for <laughs> so i hope yeah you did you did way more prep than i thought so you were gonna if do. you <laughs> if you learned some cool thing today if you appreciated the weird analogies that we did or the conclusions that we did the thing about analysis that there's no right or wrong answer it's it's really more so what can you find and how like how strongly can you form an opinion or how cohesive can your evidence be so like yeah yeah it's like i don't wrong opinion like it's just you have to i hate when i when i write when i write or just do observations and someone's just like i don't think you're right it's like Okay, well, like, what's what's your yes, what's your thing, and then what's your evidence, right? This is this is just me. It's just this is what I this is what I think, and yeah, it's it's completely it's completely affected by my own biases and personal opinions. But I think that's what makes reviews so good is yeah. the subjectivity about it. So, but yeah, if um, you no, I agree. If you which which is funny that you're saying that because right now I'm actually reading a message saying that uh, uh, that group chat they're calling my opinions on hunter hunter trash but hey i backed <laughs> up my opinions so i don't care i backed them up <laughs> so yeah so if uh, for those of you that uh, are still here and are listening to this right now um if you want to show your appreciation for this podcast uh share share this episode um share it on twitter share it on reddit share it on instagram um send us a message saying that you appreciate that work the work that we did um sometimes just saying thank you or saying I love your work is, is all that creators is all the motivation creators need to keep on, to keep on going. So, um, that's why I said that when we got that, yeah, it, it felt out, good, I right? Like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so those are, yeah. First of all, it's not someone we so know. Those are all the things that I have to say. Uh, do you have anything else before I wrap, I send us off? Uh, no, I, I wanted to say th- yeah, thank you to the listeners for sticking it out to this. Uh, whether you listen to it all in one go or 
Maybe you mm -hmm. stopped at one point. And yeah, we'll be sure to put up. actual like markers in terms of characters that we talked yeah. about at this certain point. So, yeah. Regardless, I appreciate mm -hmm. you all. This, so uh, this, it's been it's nice. Been nice. It's been very, very nice. It's been very right, nice. guys. Especially in 2020. Thank you so much for listening. Have a very Merry Christmas. We are not going away because this is this is going on into 20, 2021. So this is, there's going to be more of this shit. So if you like it, then good for yeah. you. <laughs> is this our final we'll episode see. of the year? It, it might be. What, what so if we'll it see. is, then I'm just, I'm, this is, this is my time be. to say thank you. If it is. To, to say thank yeah. you to everyone. So. so Feliz Navidad. And if it's our final episode, Pro, eh, prospero año felicidad. y felicidad. <laughs> All right. That, um, if it's not, we'll see you later. Episode, we'll see you later. We'll yeah. yeah we'll All right, you guys. <laughs> thank you so us. much for Hear listening us. to this episode of the Knuckle Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on our uh, social media accounts. Uh, share this, and yes. that's it. I'm gonna go have. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go drink you. so much tonight. It's going to be so great. And I'm going to yeah. eat and probably start drinking as well. Yeah, boy. Actually, I got to All righty, guys. Yeah, you're looking at me. You're dirty. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. We will yeah, see you dirty, yeah. in the next one. See ya. <laughs>